Chuck? Oh man, you know, they won't change that flyer. That's my mainland name. My Hawaiian name is Kunu. Oh, cool, sorry. Yeah. God, it's all good. Does Kunu have some like cool Hawaiian meaning? It means Chuck. knowledge for the conference championships and then we'll go through those two games and then afterwards we are going to be talking about our 2016 great calls long falls and big balls that'll be segment two where we talk about players that each of us were good on and made some good plays and some good calls and some other guys that we were wrong on and also some guys that we made some ballsy picks on that pulled through for us or we can even talk about ballsy guys we called it Splattered in our face. It's fine. As usual, I am here with Houdini. And across the way, I've got Stag Party. I'm D-Rex. We are Pyromaniac.com. And what up, Smellas? Fired up to get this uh, this show uh, rolling and uh, talk about these awesome games this weekend and then uh, have some fun and do some freeform stuff. What's up? Not much. Just hanging out, ready to talk some fantasy. We got one more sort of DFS slate for you to talk about. So if you're still playing that, and I know some of you guys have some crazy leagues going right now, how, how are your head coaches doing? Mine's out. <laughs> Fucking Garrett. I went high on him, too. Well, mine was picked last, so Bill O'Brien. But he, he, he got me the break even. So I still got four other players left, though. I'm not. I don't well, know. three and a half right now, depending on what happens with Devontae Adams. So. Oh, hey now. Um, yeah, I think I've only got one. Love you. Yeah, he's doing pretty good, though. But, uh, <laughs> he's been carrying you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. My team's pretty much sucked besides that. But fun stuff all around. But like you said, Stag said, there's no DFS during the Super Bowl. So this is your last opportunity to work on uh, DraftKings or well, Fanduel. Some sites do it, but not do the they? main ones. But, okay. Uh, it's tough. It's I tough mean. with only two teams. Yeah. You, gotta, you, you need at least four. Absolutely. Um, good stuff all around, though. So let's get into it. I'm sure we'll talk about a bunch of sidebar stuff. And um, anything that pops up, uh, we can bring into the fray. Anything goes. Uh, two weeks left of football. Next week, we will be doing a podcast. Uh, I don't know. What did we say we were going to be doing again? Was it reviewing our tiers or something? I have no idea. Well, we don't even know yet. But obviously, we're not <laughs> going to be talking about the, the Pro Bowl. So... It's going to be all something, maybe a little bit about the Super Alex, Bowl. Alex, we're not going to talk about Alex Smith, the Pro Bowler, over Andrew Luck. 
We're not going to do that. He's got he got the uh, the reserve nod over. Yeah, he was the first alternate. Apparently, Andrew Luck was the third alternate. Uh, so there's that. That's <laughs> has that more to do with team success than it does with fantasy success. I guess so. Probably it's good. Good point. Good point. Nice. Well, let's get into her. We got the uh, the Packers. Uh, them of what eight game winning streak heading into the conference championship for the NFC going down to Atlanta, which regardless of what happens will be the last uh, Atlanta Falcons game in this stadium. Uh, they will be opening that awesome looking new stadium uh, this summer. So, what do you guys have? What do you think? Is it's a battle of the two hottest quarterbacks around? What's what do you see? going down. I see offense going down. I'm so happy. You know, for, you know, a lot of times you get to these uh, you know, conference championship games and it's dominated by defense and you know, and that's fun and everything, but I like to see a real shootout. And you got two defenses here that have had their struggles that do allow points. Uh, Green Bay is 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 all beat up, you know, all over the field right now. So, it'll be interesting. They're going to have to put up a lot of points because that this Atlanta Falcons offense is just high-powered, and you put them in that dome, and they are even more high-powered. So I'm just excited for if I'm playing in DFS. I'm playing a lot more players in this game than I am in the uh, New England and Pittsburgh game. Uh, and I, and I, I say you load up and, and good time Charlie's. I think it's going to be a fun game. Yeah, you and everybody else is the problem. You have to find some differentiation points if you're trying to take down a tournament or anything along those lines. you got to find some ways to make it a little bit different than everybody else if you're trying to take a big one down. So keep that in mind as you're building lineups. But yeah, this game looks primed to score a lot of points. It's got the highest over-under of the season, one of the highest totals the last you know, half decade, at least that I can remember. The over-under is 60.5. Wow. That is Friggin' unbelievable. Didn't we have a game that we were talking about last week that was like 34? Yeah, 34 and a half. 34 and a half was one of the games last week. Almost twice. Two weeks points. ago with the uh, Oakland Raiders and Houston, uh, Houston Texans. Texans. That's right. With the uh, backup cure. One starter. Whatever you want to call it. And this is arguably all the MVPs of the league or the guys fighting for the MVPs are still left. Uh, most people have it down to a two-man race. Between Aaron Rodgers and you know Matt Ryan, and they, I, I think they each can stake a claim. And the more you watch Aaron Rodgers just lead his team to victories, no matter you know who he's throwing to and what else is around him, you know it's it's becoming a lot closer race in the playoffs than you might have thought. So just looking at the numbers and looking at sort of how it looked going in, so that's going to be an interesting sort of subplot. Which MVP candidate plays more like it? So I'm excited to see that, but I think they're both going to play well. Well, last time they played each other in Week Eight, uh, the Falcons eked out a, a last, uh, you know, 31 seconds left, a, a game winner. So that game went uh, 33 to 32, and that game, uh, Rodgers and Ryan combined for seven touchdowns, 534 yards, zero touchdowns. Uh, I can see these numbers even going up for this round. Uh, should be super exciting. Where do you think? You think Nelson, they said, back at practice today. That's pretty huge for him. He, so I think he's practicing. He's playing. Well, he, there's three things. So they were saying, number one, um, it's going to be how well he can deal with the pain because it's the most pain that he's ever felt in his entire life. So um, that's going to be number one. Number two is going to be, you know, if, he's, if he could risk further damage by playing, then he probably won't play. So it's going to be a doctor kind of giving him some information on that as well. And it's going to be a matter of how he's feeling that day, you know. So I, 
Rib injuries are so difficult. Everything that you do, you breathe. You do. It, you, you can't take a deep breath. You can't sneeze properly. So uh, can't sneeze properly. Do you sneeze, sneeze a lot? <laughs> uh, if, you, if you sneeze, uh, it's gonna like you, know, you can like shatter some stuff inside you. It's horrible. So uh, I, I think that's tough. I think the other thing that's gonna be interesting though is that they're still gonna have to rely on this passing game no matter what. Because look, last week. Well, they, they passed the ball 43 times, or what did they run the ball? It was about like 17 times, I think, in the game. And more of those rushes came toward the end, two of those being kneel downs by <laughs> Aaron Rodgers. So uh, you look at what is going to happen here. Ty Montgomery is going to have to be a dual threat for them out of the backfield. Uh, but I don't expect him to be getting 17, 18 carries in this game. I expect it to be another Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball 40-plus times. Yeah, I expect some of that, but I also think Ty Montgomery's got some some real good sneaky appeal in this one. Uh, you know, the things he could do is the receiving game is Atlanta allowed, you know, the most receptions to running backs on the season. It's sort of the weakness of their team, so I think Ty Montgomery, especially if either of the two big two wide receivers are out, and Jordy Nelson or Devontae Adams, Jordy with those rib injury you mentioned earlier, and then Devontae's got an ankle injury, which he aggravated last week. Uh, against Dallas, but would eventually return to that game uh, just with heavy ankle tape. We'll see if he's able to get there, but they don't expect to even see him in practice till at least Saturday. So, uh, Ty Montgomery, if either of those guys out, going to be heavily, heavily targeted. Right. Well, I, I'm not trying to downgrade Tyler Mon- Ty Montgomery. What I'm saying is he's not going to get 15 to 18 carries. It's going to be like it was last week. He had 11 carries. He had seven uh, targets and caught six passes. So I do expect him to be used all over the field because he's going to be your X factor that you can kind of you can move multiple formations where you can have him lined up outside, then you can bring him back and have him lined up as, as a back. Or I just think they're going to do with it whatever's working with Montgomery. Yeah. If, because he's been one of the best after-contact runners in the league this season. He's technically, if you look at it, average yards after contact per carry. He's been the best running back in the league since at least the past decade uh, in that stat. So you could... You could hammer him down Atlanta's throat all game long if you wanted to. But they haven't seemed willing to do that and commit to giving him the ball 18 or so times. So I do think it's an option that they could. If he's running well, we've seen him commit and just give him carry after carry after carry. They just need to be picking up chunk plays because that's what Green Bay wants to do. They want to pick up those chunk yardage, seven, eight yards of play, and then move on to the next one real quick, on to the next one. And it's been working, and all their pieces should be in play here. Let's talk about Jared Cook. Well, well, Who would have thought we'd be talking about Jared Cook now? But before we, get, before we get to Jared Cook and with all that, too, one of the things that has been so amazing during this run for the Packers is also how he catches the defenses every time they try to substitute. And it's like he's just sitting on them and waiting on it every single time. He's getting himself... Almost like about two to two and a half to three free plays on average per game. So you talk about those big chunk plays. Well, that's how they're being able to get it. Now, the other thing is, now let's go ahead and let's talk about Jared Cook. Because he has become so much more involved in this offense since, you know, since midway through the season as he came back. And, and, and as they are now dealing with the injuries at all of their wide receiver positions, Jared Cook is a matchup nightmare. And you think about it, too. He's never really had a quarterback to throw him the ball since he's come into the league from playing in Tennessee and then playing in St. Louis. So 
you know, and maybe he's just kind of starting to, starting to get it. He, one of the things I think always has happened with him, he's not the brightest guy, uh, but maybe he's just kind of bought into the, he's on a good team, that can help a lot. Where, I don't know if he needs to get it, because Aaron Rodgers is literally drawing his route in the sand, in the huddle, of what he needs to do. Oh, that's what the <laughs> same thing was happening with Geronimo. That big play he made, it's just like, buy him this time, and they're just like, what? If you're a receiver on that team, essentially just run the right direction that Aaron Rodgers is scrambling, and you're going to get a good opportunity. Uh, I hate to say it, obviously, Rodgers, um, you guys know how I feel about that guy, but he is playing uh, lights out, and he, he probably does deserve uh, that MVP. They ran the table like he called. That was after this game and this matchup that those guys met that he said when they lost that uh, that game one point, that's what he basically said in that interview. Hey, we're going to have to run the table to make the playoffs. Obviously, they were able to do it, and now they're two more games uh, into running the table. Do you guys think, at a football game level, who do you guys, or who, who do you think is going to win this game before we uh, get into the Atlanta side of the ball? Well, okay, if I want to take everything out of it, all the pressures of this, that, and the other thing, and I'm just going to look at the two teams yeah. and pick the winner, I'm going to take Atlanta. But... This is the same reason why last week when we were talking about it, why I was saying I think I got to go Green Bay over Dallas just because of that Aaron Rodgers factor, and he's showing it right now. So this is this is again, Matt Ryan is trying to get to the Super Bowl for the very first time. I believe this is his first. Is this his first uh, championship game? I think he had, or he had won. Yeah. He had played in one and lost. I think he lost one in a championship round. Yeah, I think he lost. Did they get to the championship where they had Tony G and the? Yeah, I don't I remember. Think, yeah, I so. Think so. If he did, this is his second time there, you know. Whereas for Aaron Rodgers, it's uh, it's just there's just more poise. This, you're not going to rattle the team, even though they're on the road. So, but the one thing that could, I, gun to my head, as long as Devontae Adams is playing and he's going to be playing at at least ninety yeah. percent, I think I'm taking the Packers in this game. What about you? I've been Falcons all the way. I can't. Can't be moving off a pick. I'm, I'm the same way. I like the, I like the Falcons in this one with straight up. I, I just think their their firepower is maybe something too simple and hope too too awesome. And I think that maybe it, it just uh, luck. Uh, Aaron Rodgers' luck might uh, might dry up. I, I just don't even think it has anything to do with the offenses because Dallas's offense was as good, if not better, than Green Bay's offense last week. It was nothing to do with that. It's all about the defense. And the ability to make plays on defense where Dallas's team can't really make a play. They're just that bend but don't break. And bend don't break doesn't work against Aaron Rodgers. You have to be able to create a little bit of pressure. Create one of those takeaway plays. Do something to change momentum. And the Falcons do that a lot better than the Cowboys do. I gotta say, and I, I tweeted this after the game, I was blown away. How in the NFL, when you guys prepare so much, Jason Garrett, I feel like, should be killing himself right now and hopefully has a tough time sleeping for all offseason thinking about it. how can you ever be in a two minute drill and have to clock the ball and have to do and have to throw a spike to stop the clock even if you do not have any timeouts how can you not have enough plays in your arsenal just ready to go we're in this situation here are our ten plays because if they hadn't stopped that clock in my opinion they win the game because they don't give Aaron Rodgers that extra time to make that one play to put him Crosby in the field goal uh, well I, it's I, different it's, they were going for the win Dallas was going to score a touchdown they didn't care about the field goal at that time so to get at the time to gain 40 yards, it usually takes about a second per yard in sort of one of those two-minute situations. 
you sort of gauge it like that. So they were at 48 seconds. It's close enough. You stop it. You clock it, and then you go. No, you're, you're, that's not right though. Because no, they were down, it is when you look at the down, they, were, they weren't on. Well, lost the game. They weren't so on. They weren't, they weren't on their own 40 yards. Retroactive they, analysis. They were. They were. That's they what were, we're doing. They were in range. They had 48 seconds left. Two timeouts. So by spiking the ball where they were basically. Now had to put themselves where they were, where were they like the thirty yard line or something like that of of uh, Green Bay because they were in the, in the field a little bit further back. They right. gave themselves then only two chances to get the first down. They missed the if play. If you take the timeout, then you have forty eight seconds. You can clock the ball on the next. I, first are we sure down. they had any timeouts? I think they had two timeouts. Uh, yeah, they they had some timeouts. I think they had two. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, my thing is more letting the clock run down. I know they were going for the touchdown, but still, you just got to know the way that these games happen. It's happened so many times this season with guys like Rodgers, with guys like even the, even doing it for the Cowboys. It's like you, you score too soon, you give the other team. Anyway, we don't need to talk too much about that, but I was blown away. It's like, why is he clocking this right now? How can you not go up and have a play that you could at least audible into, see the situation? It's like, it just seems so stupid. And I feel like they would have won the game and they, if they Click the field goal. They would not have given enough time for Rodgers to make that cook play. Anyway, let's talk about the um, Atlanta Falcons. Um, Matty Ice, uh, he went from ice cold uh, over the past season or so to Matty, uh, MVP candidate, guys on fire. Uh, I personally just think the, the main difference maker, I agree with you that the defense sways in, in Atlanta's favor, but I just think the Devonta Freeman, Tevin Coleman dynamic is, is just it's it's pretty beastly, um, you know. They they didn't have huge games last time. I think when they played this game, they uh, twenty five rushes for one hundred and two yards. They, you know, it wasn't like they, they they crushed it on the on the ground. But um, I just think that those guys are going to be a difference maker because the off the run side of the ball, the Green Bay just doesn't doesn't have the firepower. And I read something, and I'll I'll shut up for a minute here. But I read something that said. Green Bay is definitely going with the running back. Uh, that guy out of Tennessee, um, they like the guy from Tennessee in the draft. So they're over the Lacey experiment. They're moving on. Uh, and obviously, I don't think Ty Montgomery, they can go into the, the 2017 season thinking he's going to be their main running back. But I just think that that running back situation for Atlanta is uh, pretty, pretty nice. Yeah, it's dynamic. And, you know, this is where the Packers have actually, where you said they don't have the firepower, if you look at the numbers, they've been actually pretty good against the run, but that's because teams have been taking advantage of their banged-up secondary. Um, you know, and, and that was also you know part and parcel of the fact, too, you have guys that can step up for, for Green Bay. So Micah Hyde, uh, who, who stepped in, ended up with a, what, a sack and an interception last week against Dallas uh, in that fill-in role, and he's also a kick returner, too. So... He's a guy that at least comes in with veteran experience. It's not like you're bringing in a rookie. Uh, they're going to be taxed. They're going to be very taxed in this matchup. Tevin Coleman and Devonta Freeman are interchangeable. They both are electric on the, as runners. They're both dynamic as receivers. You have Julio Jones, who's going at full speed now. You have Taylor Gabriel, who is... Is, is he? He's nice. Nah, Julio up. got hurt well, again last yeah, week. It was a toe sprain. Is it toe or foot? Toe sprain again. God damn it. Yeah, well, he's got that Same major. injuries back. Yeah, so he's not, they said the coach said it'll be fine. He's going to be good to go, but he, they're taking it easy on him in practice. I understand they're going to take it easy. He's going to be good to, good to, be good to go game. right now. Like unless you're dying, you're going to play. It's yeah. like the chance to go to the Super Bowl. Like you're playing. Yeah. 
Well, I think they're gonna, he'll get a cortisone shot or he'll do whatever it takes. He'll be fine. I think I agree. Um, one guy that I know Mo really likes, Gabriel, in this one is kind of his that DFS game changer that you're talking about. He's not, he's not on Geronimo this week? No, he's not. He's off the Geronimo. It's because Geronimo's a bum. Stags, you love him. Stags, Stags loves his Geronimo. He certainly doesn't look like a football player. He looks like, like the Wicked Witch of the West or something from uh, Wizard of Oz. Well, I, 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 you know what? Maybe that should be a future uh, podcast. We'll bring Mo in. We'll have the, the, the players that we are the most split on and just have it be fight night. I would love to have fight night, fight night with Mo and, and, and Stags. Mo would get so sad and mad and upset, and Stags wouldn't let up, and then all of a sudden Mo would just go from chill hippie and just explode. He'd go nuts on you. It'd be good times. <laughs> Let's do it. Fight night, pyro style. So, yeah. so talking about the run game, Tevin Coleman <laughs> didn't play in this matchup the last time they played. He was out with an injury. Uh, it was Teron Ward who served as the backup to Devonta Freeman. Freeman didn't have a great game rushing the ball, but he did, you know, get in the end zone with a receiving touchdown. So that that was good for him and scored what seventeen and a half fantasy points, uh, and also just very very effective, uh, you know, in the red zone. He's usually scored two touchdowns in that game, one rushing, one receiving. He, that's just Devonta Freeman, and he's so good. At, you just can see that explosiveness right now from both of those guys that they could be game changers. Those stats I gave the 102 yards, 25 carries. That was against the Seahawks last week. Sorry, my bad. Um, question I got for you, Devontae Freeman. How old do you think he is? 25. Isn't that crazy? He's 25 years old. This kid is young. I feel like he's been around for a long time. He's finally, over the last two seasons, kind of made his mark. But that, that guy's only 25 years old, and he is just peaking and priming. So uh, I, when I saw his age when I was doing a little research for this the other day, I was a little blown away that he was that young. Yeah, he's technically 24 today, but next thing he's in number 25. Wow. Uh, Devonta Freeman's just an interesting guy. He breaks tackles and can do so many different things. You know, before he gets the ball and after he gets the ball on his hand, and then you know they design these plays for him that are just so good. So uh, he's so thick. His his shoulder to neck thing is just like he's just such a beast. Um, All right, well let's talk about uh, some of the wide receiver action. Um, Julio a little banged up, but you know he's going to be just fine, uh, hopefully. Um, And then. It's kind of a smorgasbord besides him. Gabriel comes up with some big plays Well, here. look, if I'm going to be making my play, like you said, if it's DFS, you got to look for a difference maker. Because if you look, I, I still say you're going to play a lot of the guys out of this. It's just picking the right ones. Yeah. I'm not picking Mohamed Sanu. I know Mohamed Sanu has those potential for those touchdowns if they're getting close. But I think it's more about who's the guy that has the potential to get 120, 130 yards. And I, I look at Gabriel as a guy because of his big game, big playability against a defense that – frankly, has been victimized uh, by receivers, then I'll take my chances with him. You know, uh, with Julio with the injury, okay, so then maybe I don't load up and pick him as my number one wide receiver. You know, so that's, that's the thing. Maybe you sprinkle in and you're going to go take, like, Antonio, go spend up and take Antonio Brown, and then you're going to sprinkle in your other two wide receivers from, you know, whether it be uh, Gabriel and, uh, you know, somebody else on the Packers side, whether that's Devontae Adams if he's playing or wherever, because, you know, 
I love the change of guard that I saw last week when they were playing Seattle. Just the toughness, the way they brought it to them. They outpowered them. They kind of broke their will. And I, I love seeing that. I just think it's a it's a different. It's, 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 it's not your mama's uh, Atlanta Falcons that you really think of because we think of them as such a finesse team. And they've really changed since bringing on uh, the, the, the coach there. Um, spacing his name. I'm Quinn. Sorry. Quinn from, from uh, Seattle. Uh, but he's really changed kind of the, the whole MO of that team. Anything else to say about this one? Yeah, uh, so last time they played, the re- leading wide receiver was Mohamed Sanu. He got nine of his ten targets, 84 yards and a touchdown, heavily, heavily involved. Julio Jones was really banged up in that game and was basically a decoy uh, to where he only caught three passes for 29 yards on five targets. That was the st- start of Taylor Gabriel's breakout. It was his first double-digit fantasy point performance. From that point on, uh, he had... Six of his next eight games were over double-digit fantasy points in standard leagues. So he's been heavily, heavily involved since this game. And his game-breaking ability should just be there for the taking. And he should see a ton of Demarius Randall on the outside. They're up, all the corners on Green Bay are pretty much banged up. So much so that they're they're out there signing Ben Ben Wickery. Uh, it's the practice squad. It's Wick- Wickery? It's unlikely Ben Great Ben man. Wickery is going to be you know called up at any time soon here uh, to, to take point in a Julio bashing of 300 yards like he did for Carolina earlier this season. But you know it, it's, it'd be fun to dream. Um, uh, other, I'm, I'm dreaming of that that <laughs> situation. Come other, on, Julio, let's get yourself to the Super Bowl, buddy. Uh, other plays, you know, if Julio's real banged up and he doesn't play a full lot in the snaps, that's that's a bump up for Aldrich Robinson, who could be more involved on the outside. But then Austin Hooper returned from his MCL injury last week. You know, he caught, what, one pass last week, but should be more involved, uh, you know, in the coming weeks. He's an interesting play here against... He's got some confidence they're going to Coming Super weeks, Bowl. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you'd know, be able to play him in that Super he's, Bowl. He's confident. I'll yeah. give, you know what I'll give him that confidence? I'll give him a... Oh, Saturday! Hey, guys. Hey, man. I'm Peter. Yeah, no, I remember. I'm, I'm Peter. We took a surplus together. Oh, yeah, you're that guy that works with Kaiser Permanente. No, I'm Peter, we had a nice talk out in the water. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> so, uh, Hooper caught five passes last time these two teams matched up. Five, all five of his targets for 41 yards, and combined their their uh, tight ends caught seven passes for 60 yards. So if you're looking to pay down at tight end in DFS, you know Hooper's an interesting option. Uh, other than that, there's very few tight ends besides Jared Cook, who's going to be like the chalk of the walk. Um, so don't you think, though, at, at that point, that Cook becomes one of those guys that you just pretty much got to play? Unfortunately. Because of the difference that he's going to make over the other guys. I mean, it's, I just don't see enough. Reasons to draft Gronk. Yeah, well, and so then you're going to have to make a different play on, you know, which of the running backs you're going to use. It's one of those things where I would not I would say if, if, you, if you pitch – on Le'Veon Bell, for example, it's maybe not even a bad idea to play both Tevin Coleman and Devonta Freeman. Yeah, that's a pretty good idea. That's a good idea because Bill Belichick. I've done it before. Do it in those not to have a, another record-breaking three games in a row for Bell. Um, all right, well, let's. Uh, I think we covered that game pretty nicely. Before we go to the uh, the next game, the AFC Championship, uh, let's listen to this. 
Showit. All right, there's a lot of talking going on. Locker room videos being uh, taken by Antonio Brown. What the hell is it with that guy and his call me? It's in the uh, it's in this football night in America with Carrie Underwood. Whole time he's like doing the stupid call me, call me. And on that dumb Facebook Live thing, the whole time he's like, guy's kind of a putz. I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not I'm not down with that guy's program. Quit being a douche. Uh, quit being uh, he, he got it from Coach Tomlin. So um, now I think that team's ready to fire it up. I think this game's gonna be great. And I think. Uh, I don't know. What, what, what do you think? Let's do the first. Start it out with this. Who do you think wins this game? I think New England wins this game. New England. New England wins it. It's it's too hard right now. I mean, it, it, the worst part is is that Pittsburgh got double fucked, right? Because first they were supposed to play at noon, then they didn't play till Sunday night. So then then they didn't get back and fly back in into Pittsburgh until like, like four or five o'clock in the morning. So they're already a day shorter with New England, who's had a day to rest, don't have to go anywhere. Uh, well, tell me more about those assholes. <laughs> what else do you want to know? Well, I know one, I know one thing. I like the way there's a little bit of rivalry going on with Edelman. Edelman's saying, "Hey, that's the way they run their franchise." Big Ben's like, "Fuck off, dude. We got trophies. We, we got we're one of the best franchises out there." Just uh, um, and once again, the winning, like the bad blood. The, the quarterback from the AFC is either going to be a Roethlisberger, a Brady, or who are the other Man. ones? A Manning or, or a Flacco, right? Those are the only ones that have been uh, in the Well, Flacco's the only little misnomer there. Right. But that's all the only quarterbacks that have been in the Super Bowl from the AFC. In, in this millennium? In, like, the last ten years. It's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, it's probably longer than that. Now. Yeah. Decade and a half. Well, this maybe? would be, if Brady wins this game, it would be his seventh Super Bowl, right? Yeah, it would be the seventh. So. He's won four, lost two, so this would be the seventh that he would either win or lose. So he's either going to get five rings or stick with four and have three losses. Think about that, dude. He, I don't know how many years he's playing. That means he goes to the Super Bowl more than half of his career. Guys, good. Bill Belichick. I love the Bill Belichick line before we get into uh, the Steelers. I just love his little his little quote. I'm not on this is about the whole Antonio Bryant uh, Brown uh, video. He's like, I'm not on snap fat, snap face and all that, so I don't really get those. Uh, I'm not really too worried about what they put on Insta chat or whatever it is. The sad <laughs> part is he knows exactly. Oh, what he does. Called, oh, yeah. He and does. he's just dicking people now. Well, he's not going to give them. He's not going to give them any credit for what their real name is. He's not going to not going to give them the. Oh, it's so no funny. free promotion here. Yeah. He's <laughs> snap face and uh, and Insta chat. I love when he does that shit. Pretty fucking hilarious. Anyway, let's talk about the Steelers. Uh, obviously, we know Bell is on back to back. When he had 150 two weeks ago, and then 170. Yards, 73 yards last week. Um, can against a Bill Belichick game planning situation, can he uh, can he have a huge game, or is he going to be the guy that suffers in our old Bill Belichick taking out the best player on the other guy's team uh, mantra? He's the guy that suffers. I mean, they're going to uh, clog up running holes, and that's what the Patriots have sort of been doing all season. Because you look at Antonio Brown's career against the Patriots, it's not any different than his sort of usual upstanding production. Uh, they, they actually get a lot of, a lot of plays to Antonio Brown. And, you know, Bill will just run different things. Sometimes he'll double cover him. Sometimes he'll put Malcolm Butler on him. Sometimes he'll jam him. Sometimes he'll play zone over the top. And he'll just do a lot of different things to try and get that interception on a play looking for a Brown, looking for that deep shot. But they're mostly going to focus on stopping 
uh, big uh, Le'Veon Bell in the run game, and then then the issue is they're also going to have to try and stop him in the pass game. And the past game is where he really, you know, dominated the last time these two teams played. Uh, caught 10 of 13 targets, 468 yards, heavily, heavily involved, was a chain mover. You know, that was a good game. And uh, interesting stat is the Pittsburgh Steelers in sort of second time around games and revenge games in which they lost the first, they're 5-0 and this season. So this will be a chance for them to go 6-0. and uh, so that's an interesting aspect of it. But, yeah, I think uh, Le'Veon Bell is the guy they have to focus on stopping. And that's what I do. It's, it's so interesting that all the, almost all these playoff games, the teams played each other in the regular season. Yeah, these guys these guys played each other in Week 7, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. this, uh, the Patriots. Uh, but, beat last week? But, it was di- but it was a lot different because well, Ben Roethlisberger didn't play. That, that Landry was starting. And it was still, they had a tough time getting going against this team. So. But the Patriots played the Texans during the season. The Steelers played the, the Dolphins during the season. The Packers played the Falcons during the season. Yeah. Do you think that uh, after the game, uh, Le'Veon Bell and LeGarrette Blunt will cruise off in the same car and get all fucking <laughs> together? Probably. <laughs> um, and then also an interesting one is you're talking about how uh, Butler might be on Antonio Bell. That's like that new commercial for Papa John's. Where those two guys are like running after each other all over the place. I bet you we're going to see that new Papa John's commercial with those two play at nauseum during this matchup. And then they'll actually be doing it on the field. So, uh, should be interesting. Uh, what else you guys got to say on this one? Uh, is is, is uh, Mr. Green, is he Ladarius out? He's still, he still has not passed. Uh... He's in the concussion protocol, basically. Right. They they're having whispers that he's done for the season, so don't expect. Not for weeks. I mean, this has been yeah. Like, when, it, when it goes this long, yeah, uh, it's, it's hard to, really to imagine that all of a sudden it's going to change. So I, I I'd imagine he'll be out. So you got Jesse James will be your your featured tight end. Um, he actually played pretty well yeah. at the beginning of, la- of that last game. I mean, career high in yardage with eighty three. Eighty three. Six seventy. Score eighty three. What but do you guys? What it's, is, it's on the score every time. Whatever uh, it is, some guy was like old scratchy voice. It's like you know smoked out. Eighty-three. So anytime they say eighty-three, they play this guy going eighty-three. <laughs> All right. It's been happening for like fifteen years. Yeah. Uh, but uh, go, going back to it, Jesse James had his career high, you know, receiving yardage game. He was a threat to score touchdowns early in the season, but he really hasn't done all that much consistently. But he's there. I mean, it'll be a decent weapon. Uh, he's not somebody I'm actively targeting. But if you're looking for a little bit of a contrarian play, uh, Jesse James might be a way to go. But what about the other contrarian play? If you're going to say that Bill Belichick's going to take away what you do best, and he's going to do everything he can to take away Antonio Brown, is Eli Rogers then become a guy that has to step up or is a potential to pick up some of that extra slack? Is it... Just me or I don't care about any of these other receivers. Well, you know what? Like, I don't really either, but at the same time, you have Ben Roethlisberger who's able to keep plays alive. Is he? Well, look. because he's On the he's, road in the playoffs, he's, he's still like, hard, he hasn't looked that good. He's still hard to take down. They don't have to win the game for you to get fantasy points out of a wide receiver because you can get a lot of these garbage yards, too, if they're playing from behind in the second half. So, you know, which I kind of anticipate that they're going to be doing. So... With that being said, is Eli Rogers and, and I'm I'm agreeing with you. I'm setting up. I I don't I don't want to play him either. But 
scripting semi-interesting, but it's not going to be the guy I look to plug into my roster first. Right. Well, if I'm choosing between those ancillary guys, like a Taylor Gabriel or whatever, I'm going Gabriel over Eli Rogers. The thing is, he does play out of the slot where it could you know, work out uh, and, and his benefit against the Patriots slot corners. Um, so I, I sort of like that. Kobe Hamilton is the guy they've been playing as their sort of de facto number two on the outside. He, he's sort of splitting snaps with Darius Hayward Bay. Harry's Bay, Hayward Bay could be an interesting just dart throw just because he could take it to the house from anywhere on the field. You know, he's dirt cheap, so you can get that aspect. And you'll see occasionally that they run the end around to him. They get him involved in, you know, a, a deep shot, something along those lines. But Sammy Coates played one snap last week. Yeah, you're not, you're not trusting him one uh, bit. You know, and he, he, did, he did some uh, returns. Yeah, he's their kickoff return. <laughs> He's, he's got to be the tallest kickoff return guy in the history of the NFL. He's just not very good, so you can't play him. So Did Al Harper ever return kicks? <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't think so. Maybe. Uh, what do you think about Big Ben as a whole, though? No, I, I avoid it. I just don't – know, I, I'll always not want to take the road quarterback in a championship game in Foxborough. Uh, it, Especially a terrible DFS, road I, quarterback I, right, I, there, It's just not The potential for him to have A 350 yard passing game Is like 5 to 10% Cool yeah. Anything else we uh, want to talk about On this one? Yeah um, see, all the, I mean the other tight ends David Johnson played over Xavier Grimble That's mostly because of you know, I didn't get a Grimble out of you Yeah I don't think I've ever even heard of either of these guys So let's move on <laughs> I mean this is all we're down We're down to a deep slate This is what okay. we have to talk Fair about enough. Do your thing uh, uh, So they're there They're not really interesting I'm, I'm actually going to take a deep sleep while you're talking yeah. about these guys <laughs> Alright guys Grimble the hills are alive. Isn't Grimbles the the, that's, that Grimble. was the name of the department store in uh, Elf? Is it Grimbles? I think it was Grimbles. Yeah, you know me. I don't remember this kind of shit. Um, you got any more? Uh, you got any more guys that won't be in the league next year? I guarantee you, Xavier Grimble will be in the league. Grimble, Grimble. <laughs> um, and you'll be right, you'll, in, in three months. You'll be talking him up as a hot prospect that you got your eye on. Maybe good. Good at stranger things have happened. New England Patriots in Foxborough. What do we want to see here? I don't know. Does, pay, does uh, Houdini owe me money from last week when I said Tom Brady would not score over 20 fantasy points? I probably do. Probably, <laughs> probably do. Probably so that breaks us even from the uh, the one before where we had the... Uh, no, I won the, I won the even one, too. Oh, you there was that? another one after that. <laughs> Well, I'm up one dollar. Somebody, somebody's <laughs> gonna have to listen to that old podcast and get that. Get the there, stats there was a secondary uh, double or nothing. We, I'll let you double you guys or nothing. Are yeah. big. No, like no, hey man, this let's is, make a bet on this game. Come on, let's. Uh, I, bet, on the Patriots, I bet that I could ruin this man's life. <laughs> this guy put him in and, and take a rich person and put him in. How much more than one dollar? <laughs> <laughs> nice, looking good, Billy Ray. All right. Um, Let's go New England Patriots. Tom Brady 
is he gonna is he gonna get the job done? They've been struggling a little bit on is, offense. Are, is he gonna keep his job if they don't win? According to Colin Coward. Look, do you remember? Do you remember that wasn't this? Uh, no, that was last year when they. Uh, or two years ago, maybe when they played the uh, Kansas City Chiefs and they got hammered. Remember the there was a afterwards press conference. The guy was like, uh, "Is Tom Brady going to be your starting quarterback?" Checks <laughs> like looked at him. He's like, "Next question, you fucking idiot." <laughs> but seriously, cowards out here talking about how. Well, he's an idiot. Though. Yeah, he's that, a fucking idiot. Yeah, but. I just want to bring this up. <laughs> Thought it was interesting. Isn't Cower the one that saw, said that? Um, uh, he he said that the. Uh, the Packers had no chance in winning, or which team was? Oh no, he was the national championship. He said that there was no way Clemson could beat Alabama. So he was eating crawl down. I hate that guy. I'm so glad he's on the channel that I'll never watch him and Skip Bayless are perfect together over there on FS1. <laughs> Enjoy yourselves. Um, let's go and uh, if, if there's anything so, else to talk about well, well, Brady, let's okay. Go well, with Brady for me, look, he threw two interceptions last week, right? He threw two interceptions the entire season. Um, so I look at this as that's a vulnerable week. You're a vulnerable week when you're coming off of the bye. So you have you have, don't have the continuity of playing. You're playing at home without all the, the attention, all the other stuff. People ask you for tickets to set the other thing. And a game that had a what a 16 and a half point spread, and the game stayed a lot closer than it, it should have at the beginning of the game. If Houston had any semblance of an offense that could have actually made a game out of it. Brady did not play well. That being said, I love him coming back after getting that bad game out of the way. Pittsburgh's defense is not as good as Houston's defense. Let's be 100% honest. They do not have the type of uh, attacking front like the, the Houston Texans do. Uh, with Merciless they don't have, and they don't have Cloudy. Guys either, good. Right. So, have you guys seen their defense? Like, Their defense has allowed one quarterback over 20 fantasy points all season. Like if you look at the numbers, they're excellent. But they're not. They're not nearly. They're, they're not, not the as best. Good as they're not the best defense. They're not. They're not as good as Houston. <laughs> so sure. Like like so it's, 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 it's okay. I'm giving you the same type of thing. You're from Chicago. You know when it's zero degrees outside, you go outside and you're freezing. You're flipping nuts off. Then the next day it goes up to 24 degrees, and you're like, oh, I can go out with just a t-shirt on because it's 24 <laughs> degrees warmer. It's relativity. <laughs> the relativity of that defense is 24 degrees warmer than it is playing against Houston. With that said, it's supposed to actually be a warm day out there in, in Foxborough. On Sunday, it's supposed to be like 45, and uh, maybe a light chance of rain. So that's that's actually just doesn't. Both these are both cold football teams. Anyway. Yeah. I just thought I'd throw that out there. It's gonna be some nice. That football. wasn't that wasn't my point. No, I I, I, <laughs> I just knew that. I looked at the weather report before the show, and one of else report I looked at the weather report. Today, first time drinker of this beer. It's a ripping swell of juicy hops by Stone Brewery. It's called the Ripper. So, PK Ripper, this one's for you, buddy. I'm drinking a beer called the Ripper, and it's a San Diego Pale Ale. So, I think it's a, a new beer by Stone. It's pretty good, actually. I like it. Interesting that you got a San Diego beer there without a team that's going to be in San Diego. I'm freaking Ballast Point. Oh, what well, happens to be brewed in San Diego? We're so. San Diego. Well, I think it's a good time that before we get into the next people, we'll say the fuck you to the NFL, you cock knockers, who are taking away uh, another friggin' team going to LA when they don't need two teams. Let's hit it. 
quote that I read today. Uh, if asked what from crushed uh, Chargers fans, uh, what would he say? And his direct quote was, "We're hurting too." That's good, Al. I mean, how? What? What bullshit is that? I don't blame the NFL at all. Why? Because it was all Spanos. But they they got to they, they got to do a better job the NFL of keeping franchises where they are. They offered it, them 150 million free dollars to build this stadium in San Diego from the NFL to the Chargers, and they declined it. So and the city the city voted it down. Okay, fair enough. Hey, but this is going to be when the Raiders leave. This is going to be the third team to leave in the last uh, two years. And it's hurting the brand. They well, gotta do it better. They gotta offer more money to keep them there because it's it's a team that's been around for ages. That's there. I I, I can't think of uh, the Chargers. The Rams have been bouncing around yeah. everywhere. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Uh, but this is it's a bad move. And I just think San Diego fans aren't gonna drive out to LA. You just lost a ton of NFL fans in that. Same way you lost them in St. Louis. Same way you're gonna lose them in uh, Oakland. It's bad for the NFL brand to let these teams. They're gonna have to pony up more money to keep these. Things it's like they're moving around way too much. All right, I'm gonna Go give you. Fridge. I'm gonna give you the Midwest bias. Yeah, on, on from the real second city, okay? Because Los Angeles, you may have more people because you count all of Orange fucking County, yeah. and it's the the biggest stretch of area that you count for people. You had you couldn't support a team 20, 30, whatever years ago, and they all left LA. It was like 20. so you brought one back, and now you're bringing back two. This you're destined to fail. Football is not that important. College football is is more important than professional football is out there, and it's not even that important because there's just Californians have other things to do. It's just to go out. You got you got the uh, the ocean. You got all the other shit out there. There's just not those diehard football fans. And and if you're not good, they're not going. I agree with that. And you got two NBA teams. In the Lakers and the Clippers. What do you got? Three baseball teams? How many baseball teams? You got the Dodgers, Anaheim. the Ta- uh, Anaheim, uh, the Angels. I guess I guess San Diego's not there. Isn't there a third team? No. no okay, no. two. So you got two major league baseball teams. Like the window of just opportunity. I just I just can't see it. My buddy lives in LA and I'm like, he went to one Rams game this year, and I'm like, so what do you think? Do you think the Rams are going to be beloved and, and, and um, brought in underneath the, uh, the the way that people are in L.A.? It's like, yeah, I think people will want to go check out that new stadium when it's available. You know, that'll bring an experience to it. But overall, it's like, not really. And that was before the, uh, the, uh, the Chargers got in the mix. Pretty funny, the Chargers basically, they did their new brand. They've already changed their logo like three times since scrapped it. They scrapped it and then they 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 ditched they went with the Dodger blue and white for starters, ditched their light blue and yellow. I mean Jesus Christ. Spanos, get your head out of your fucking ass. Uh, I don't know. If I was if I lived in San Diego and was drinking many of these kind beers, we like. Oh, you're rooting like, against. Root, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting against. I hate them. the NFL at this point. And I and I hope that all and I personally I hope all the teams from LA suck. Yeah. You know, you got a Rams team. You got Todd Gurley. What else you got? You know, because Fisher and all them destroyed that team. It's gonna take a long time to get that one back. We're gonna need a couple years. I, I'm not I'm not a believer in golf. Uh, then you got you got the, the the Chargers. Who? What happens when Philip Rivers retires in a couple of years? Do you have anything enough to, to put him around around him? I like Joey Bosa and what he has. They actually have more upside than the Rams do. But 
where's the fandom going to lie? Is it just going to be a fair weather city and we'll just go and support the team that's winning? Or is it really going to be true fans? Because that's, you know, the diehards are what fuels NFL franchises. Knowing that, like, when the Bears have 30,000 no-shows, you better do something about it because, you you know, that's a, that's a, 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 a long-time fandom that says, fuck you, we're going to stay at home. Well, I think in this last thing I'll say about it, from a, one of the reasons I go to this new stadium, one of the reasons they wanted they had to leave San Diego, so they thought was because of you know there's a lot of money in in, in, in businesses advertising. They advertise with the businesses, buy box seats, they have big packages, they spend a lot of money to wine and dine their own employees and and their clients and all that stuff. I just don't understand how a business can decide whether they want to buy a box seat for the Rams or for the Chargers. Is there enough? Uh, industry out there that's non Hollywood and Tinseltown to really fill those seats. I think just in general, it's a flawed thing. I think that stadium's going to be and really charging a lot. Yeah, like, what, you know, is it the same price for each? It's because it's, it's really got to be cheaper to be to buy like jet stuff. It is cheaper yeah. to buy jet stuff than it is to buy uh, Giants stuff. So with these two teams, you know, LA was, was there. The Rams were there first. Can't call them LA anymore. Uh, the Rams were there first. Does that really mean, though? Because if the Chargers are better, yeah. forget no, you. It's going to be interesting. I hate it. I think it sucks. Uh, anyway, let's see. I wish the best. I feel bad for you. Any Chargers fans out there, um, you guys got the raw end. I felt the same way last year with the San, uh, St. Louis. And it looks like, for all intents and purposes, as Oakland's we talked about, Oakland's going to Las Vegas. And those are some of the fucking greatest fans. Raider Nation is hard to replace. And all those, all you Raiders fans, I hope that you guys uh, turn your backs on the NFL, too. And uh, the, the ratings are already falling. And the, 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 the league and the shield has already got a little bit of a chink in its armor. And uh, I don't know. I just don't think they're doing the right moves. Oh, so. by the way, as we get as I tra- we transition back to the, to the, to the to uh, Patriots here. Is Roger Goodell going to show up to this game, or is he going to go? He already said he's going to Atlanta. He's going to go to Georgia for the second time because he will not. He, the last thing he wants is the Patriots to win and for Bob have to give the trophy to Bob Kraft. Yeah, I, I'd, <laughs> I'd kill him if I was Patriots. Hilarious though, but it's like it's it's going to happen. That that alone is why the Patriots are going to win and go to the Super Bowl, and he's going to have to. To deal with Kraft yeah. and with Brady, he's going to go to the Super Bowl wearing either a Packers or a, a, a Falcons <laughs> jersey. Um, but the last thing I would say is there's a great little thing that happened with Belichick and his girlfriend passed out on a, on a ferry or a, 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 a train or something last weekend. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw that, but the guy ESPN on over Twitter um, asked the dude that took the picture because they were both sleeping if they could run uh, the picture across all their channels and their social media. And the kid was like, no freaking way. You're not using my picture. If I see it anywhere, I'm coming after you. You fuckers started Deflategate. These assholes, I love it. They're never gonna. They're gonna never let anybody that had anything to do with the deflate gate uh, ever uh, live it live it out. So let's go back to the Patriots. Um, I think we, you know, Brady. Let's 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 see what happens. Um, let's talk about Legarrette Blount. Uh, huh. I think in the last game he had two touchdowns and a real nice revenge game after you know we, as we talked earlier before he went. He was on a Patriots, right? Then he then he went to Steelers, and then he went back to the. He missed his Bill Belichick in the winning ways, so um, not a loved, beloved guy there in Pittsburgh. But uh, is he going to have a nice game in this one? Was well, he going to get finally get the carries? Because it, you know, what the hell? Now Deion Lewis had his fumbles. So that's three touchdown, amazing game, and you could just see when he's getting interviewed after it too. He's like, 
fuck. I fumbled. I had my best game of my career, but I fumbled. I'm probably I'm probably fumbled twice. Twice. So once on the kick return, which that one I, I won't fault as much for, but then to fumble after that. But they recovered that second one, right? Or did he lose both of them? Lost, lost think, the one yeah, on the I kick return. He got the other one back. Yeah. But the fact is that after you fumble once in the game, you should not be fumbling again, especially for Bill Belichick's offense. So I got a big feeling, and I, you know, in our fantasy league, I go Deion Lewis guy. Shit. I think I think Legarrette Blunt goes back up to getting himself probably about 17, 18 tuck carries in this yeah. game. Well, it's all about Legarrette Blunt, and he wasn't healthy last week, and that's one of the reasons they really limited him. And it was sort of like a real quiet thing that nobody really talked about. And then suddenly it was a Deion Lewis explosion. Uh, but, yeah, I really like Garrett Blunt in this game. They, they struggle, the Steelers do, against big power backs. Look at all the running backs that have had 100-yard games against them this season. It's guys like Jay Ajayi, Isaiah Crowell, you know, yeah. uh, those type of guys are the guys who are putting up 100-yard games against and Blunt earlier this season himself. He also had 125 yards. So, they're going to commit to gashing these guys between the tackles, and that should work. It should be an effective strategy because they're very good on the outside against opposing wide receivers right now. They're stopping it. Now, when you get to the slot coverage, you know, Julian Edelman should be fine. Uh, the rest of the guys, it's it's a toss-up. I mean, Michael Floyd, is he going to play a lot of snaps? If Michael Mitchell, Malcolm Mitchell's back and he was back in practice today, and then they're going to you know mix in some Danny Amendola, and then there's Chris Hogan, who's you know been a pretty much 90% of the snaps player all season long, but he's not exactly healthy either. So now it's even bigger quandary of which other wide receiver they're going to get the ball to, but at least you can count on Edelman, because he's been the most consistent guy over the last couple weeks, 13 targets in each of the last two weeks, and since week 11, pretty much when Gronk went down, he's been averaging 12 and a half targets a game, heavily, heavily involved, they're starting to use him on a little bit of those deeper routes now, to where he's not just catching seven passes for 79 yards. Now he's getting up in the 120, 130-yard range and giving him a ton more upside in DFS. So I'm, I'm liking Edelman a lot. I, I, I'm, I still like Lewis, though, because I do think he's going to get 10 to 12 touches somewhere in the games. And we, we saw it a little more. They started throwing him the ball a little more. And we were talking about how he was going to be just unleashed in the playoffs. And I think that's something that's still going to maintain now, he didn't have a ton of yards. It was a 23 yards or whatever, but there was a couple plays of wheel routes where you saw Brady just looking for him. And this is the other thing, too. Edelman is a no-brainer to me. I mean, it's just you know he's going to get peppered with targets, and he was. He was part of my, like, a great DFS play last week. I don't know what his price is this week, but in, in FanDuel, he was 7000 I was, like, I was putting him at the – Des Bryant and Edelman were basically in all my lineups. was like uh, – and if Devontae Adams hadn't gotten hurt, that was, like, my triumvirate. But uh, ridiculous. You know he's going to give you volume. So I, I love that. Malcolm Mitchell we don't know about. You know, so all these other guys, which that leads to Deion Lewis because – where is the trust lie for, for Brady? And remember, before Deion Lewis got hurt last year, was one of the best guys that you had, you had seen scoring points and doing everything all over the field. So, and, and again, he was coming back from injury, so he's taken him. Now he should be fully back and, and where he's 
completely all adjusted into full game form and coming off of the, uh, the two fumbles, again, it's one of those things where it, it refocuses you, and, and I think he'll have that extra determination to do more with less this week because it's going to be less than he had last week. I think so as well. What uh, do you guys think about Bennett? Martellus? I mean, he's playing snaps. That's all I can say. He's playing snaps. Uh, he's a threat to catch a touchdown because of his size, but it's also one of those games they are – better against wide receivers on the outside than they are over the middle against tight ends. So I, I sort of like Bennett, but then, you know, Shazier's... Shazier, that's, that's the problem. But Shazier's been up and down in coverage at some times. Like, I, I know how athletically gifted he is and the havoc he can create, but he he's susceptible to... Play the bottom, well, half, no, the I, bottom half the Steelers are against fantasy points and against the tight end. Well, and, and I understand that he's susceptible, but at the same time, the problem is that Bennett's not getting enough looks. If Bennett was getting eight, nine targets, uh, that'd be fine. Yeah. When you're getting four or five targets, it's, it, it, you know, I don't like the odds. Yeah, I agree there. Cool. Well, I think we've uh, covered this game pretty well, don't you? Uh, before we get into the next uh, little uh, segments, uh, maybe we'll talk a couple of little coaching operations that uh, went, by, went went down, or at least some uh, talks that are that we're hearing. Uh, and then in the second half, we're going to do that good old um, second segment. We're going to do great calls, uh, and those are the players we were right about. And long falls, those are the players we whiffed on, and big balls, players uh, that others weren't into and praising in the preseason as much as we were, and uh, that panned out. And then also we could say guys that uh, you know maybe didn't that we took a big chance on and showed some big balls for. So we'll get into that segment in a minute. Until then, let's keep the lights on. Awesome segment two. This is where we have our fun stuff. It's kind of a little bit of a, a year in review, uh, which we'll be doing over the course of this week, a little bit of next week, and also, um, you know, maybe even after in our first podcast after the Super Bowl. We we know, and we've said before, it's very important to us. Uh, we really believe in uh, doing audits and really reviewing your seasons in fantasy football, whether it be a draft. Whether it be the pickups that were made, with the team that wanted, if it wasn't you, what were the reasons? What did that team look like? How was it constructed? Uh, how did he manage his team and, and, and build from whatever he drafted to uh, how it, the final team that won the championship, whether it was trades, pickups, all that good stuff? It's important to do that now while it's hot and it, the topic is in the right in the back of your head. If you're doing this sort of stuff in August when you're leading up to your next drafts, it's not going to be as fresh. So... If you want to be winning championships and you want to get going, right into it. Get right into it and, and review and do this audit of your 2016 season in all your leagues. It's super, super important. So, um, I will let one of you guys want to go first. Um, you know, let's just, we're going to talk about um, some great calls. You know, guys that in last, heading to the last summer when we were going and, and getting our drafting on, well, who are some guys uh, that you felt you were hot on, and uh, that came came into that, that came to be for you, and made you look like a genius. Well, one that I was talking up all off season was Derek Carr. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, we had so many discussions. At, at one point, I think I had him as my number five quarterback. And after talking with you guys, yeah. <laughs> you guys beat me up on it enough. I moved him down to eleven. And it, this this is again one of those those audits that you have. If you have a strong feeling about a guy. Don't let other people sway you. You know, stick with it. Take your take your shot and go. So 
Um, and where did Carr actually finish out? Thirteen. Thirteen. Closer to our eleven. But so so it ended up. Well, he got, he did eleven. I did twelve. You did seventeen. So we yeah we and collectively we had him yeah we had him at. 14 collect. But he was scoring so many more points early in the season yeah. and, then it, and then it slowed down for him. So, yeah. you know, for, but for looking for where you were getting him at value and where you got him then, and for anyone that like had him as a backup that they had drafted and someone had offered them a trade, they probably scored huge on that trade. So, you talk about a guy that you got into value, performed amazingly in the first half of the season, then if you were, it did look to, to trade him, you were getting the value. If you're looking to ride him out to those, those playoffs, then maybe it got a little bit more difficult. But still, from where he was, uh, now his ADP going into the year, do we have that information? I don't know if anyone has that one pulled up on ADP chart. But mm-hmm. I want to say he was like closer to like 16, 17, something like that. QB 12. 12. Oh, really? He moved up that high? Well, all right. <laughs> Not such a great call then, huh? All right, I'll pick another one. Well, no, no it's all good, man. We're going to be able to talk about this stuff, and we're going to have, so... Yeah, way to talk about the guy you talked about last week, too. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing we got to make sure we don't. It's like, I want to go to Cousins, because that's my boy, but I can't do it right now. So I'm going to talk about a guy that I wasn't so high on, and I didn't think he was going to be absolutely uh, atrocious. He actually ended up uh, being, I had him the lowest, but I wasn't so high on Ben Roethlisberger, just because I feel like every year we go in and we, we think about all that talent around him, and we know just how many targets and touches that Le'Veon can, can bring to the table, and how friggin' awesome Antonio Brown is, but there's just something about him, because of what we've talked about many times, is just how bad he is on the road. He just is always, every year, doesn't it feel like Ben Roethlisberger, with all the pundits and experts out there, is always like 4th, 5th, or 6th. He's right in that top of that second tier of guys, and he just he just always kind of underwhelms. Um, he ended up as the 18th, if you can believe that. I think he only missed one game, um, two, two games. So he, well, he sat out one against the Patriots, which we talked about, and then missed Week 17 due to rest. Due to that's what he was. Due to he finished 18th. Uh, he was worse than he was sandwiched right between Cam Newton and uh, Carson Palmer. Uh, so I think, you know, just again, going into next season, if that guy played every week at home, uh, and hopefully, you know, Le'Veon Bell isn't out for the first three games like he seems to be every year because he loves weed, uh, nothing wrong with that, but, you know, you're a professional athlete, you probably shouldn't. Should Le'Veon Bell even be back with the Pittsburgh Steelers? Is, that, is he a, he's a free agent? Yeah. Wow. It sounds like they're going to use their franchise tag on him, though, so Why don't it I should was, be a worry. I was reading this week that they're going to let uh, Antonio Brown go. Not because, you know, it's probably just pundits talking about because of the after this thing, but they've let wide receivers go in the past. He's going to want just an un- They can't afford everyone. Well, basically, they re signed him to a deal. They're not going to let him go. What they're in a couple years, I think he's got. I think after this, they're planning to re sign him this offseason to make him the highest paid wide receiver in football. Right. So I have no idea how they plan on letting him go anytime soon when they're going to go out on a limb and just pay this guy boatloads of money. Maybe maybe they just pack the cap for a few years, get Antonio Brown and Bell for a few seasons together while Big Ben's still around, and then you know at the end of Bell's, at the end of Roethlisberger's career, the slit of fate. But yeah, the the big thing, the big debate we sort of had about uh, Big Ben was always the guy he was drafted next to, which was Drew Brees, and it was always don't draft Big Ben ahead of Drew Brees. You could just see the upside of Drew Brees so much more being realized, and the touchdowns are always going to go to Brees' way. 
and the yardage. Yeah. You know that's going to go Breeze's way. Attempts. Everything like that has always been on Breeze's side. Don't and, and there was a lot of people who had Roethlisberger all over him, and I was just like, don't do it, don't do it. I mean, Breeze throws the ball through the ball 165-ish more times, you know. And obviously, you know, again, he's the only guy. He's got more 5,000-yard games than uh, than anybody else that has them combined. Was that his fifth fifth time this year, or was it his fourth? Fourth um, against three. But he's yeah. So that's that's right. That was kind of our big talk. Ben Roethlisberger, or Drew Brees. Ben Roethlisberger, Drew Brees. And just I think Drew Brees has put this discussion to bed. Doesn't matter who. And now actually, Brees has got another. Awesome wide receiver and Thomas that you know last year that was one of the reasons why we were a little scared of him. All he had was Cooks and Cooks always kind of was underwhelmed himself. So big Ben Roethlisberger already. I'm just telling you in my mind going into next year when everyone's got him so high because Big Ben he's got all this weaponry around him that offense high powered. What if Martavis is back? He's he, reinst- he, he uh, signed his papers yesterday to be reinstated. So hopefully those papers. Yeah, won't I mean it'll, it'll, it makes a difference, but still he's still big bad on the road. So yeah. I mean he's going to be a back end QB one. Like well the thing that you QB seven get. eight or nine. What I love about Big Ben though is if you're in a league that gives bonuses like mine does after three hundred yards and things like that, he's usually good for a couple of those big monster games where and if you're in those bonus leagues, he wins your week. Yep. So. Uh, even Eli too. Even when he's having a down year, you're going to get a huge Eli week at least once or twice during the year. Might be he might be a good backup that you just play him whenever he's playing at home. <laughs> or yeah, you can get two quarterbacks and sort of mix and match with Big Ben. Uh, so I think another good call uh, that we had was being a little bit higher than the field on Matthew Stafford. We had him collectively right around uh, our. our QB 13. Some people were a little higher than that. Some people had him at QB 12 or 13. Um, and he finished as a top 10 quarterback. But uh, the field collectively in ADP had him as QB 17. We just felt like he was going to exceed uh, you know, his, his value. At QB 17, he's done that you know, four different times in his career. He could just meet that threshold with his eyes closed. And we like the things we saw... You know, with how they phase down the offense with Cooter, with the short throws, and I just like saying Cooter, so that's it. Yeah, who doesn't? Um, I like eating Cooter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> disgusting. Um, what the thing I think that people were scared about, me even individually, I had the 15. Uh, was just the Megatron departure. You know, all of a sudden, you're like, when you sit there, and you're like, okay, Marvin Jones slotting in for Megatron. That's a that's quite a quite a dip. But he proved, and I think it, it shows. Uh, it's a testament to his play. He proved that it was uh, honestly, in many ways, a better thing for him because he was able to just kind of not feel like he had to go to number eighty-one uh, and and always pepper him with targets and was able to spread it around a little bit more. So I think going long term or moving forward, we can we see that Stafford can get it done without, um, you know, Calvin Johnson. Yeah, that was, that's impressive. Um, I, what do you, I, got, I, got, I got one. So, uh, one that I was specifically higher, higher on than, than, than most everybody else, uh, from where the experts had him in the, in the ADP, I was 21 spots higher on Jordan Howard. Uh, so, Jordan Howard, whose ADP was 68, I had him ranked at 47. And this was one of those ones where I was also then very um, uh, bearish on... Um, Ooh, right. bullish Ooh. and bearish. Yeah, right. Bullish. On, on uh, Langford. 
And um, and that was because again, I I just I'd seen Jordan Howard run in the Big Ten. Uh, I saw him destroy my Iowa team by running for like 220 some odd yards against us the, uh, the year before he came out. And again with Langford, what was the one thing that we had seen all last year was nothing. <laughs> he gets hit and he goes down. That there was no run after contact. And so it was just my belief that. Look, Jordan Howard eventually is gonna is gonna get his, his way, and sure enough, he did. Where he finishes, like the number was he number nine running back overall. So, um, and you know, to get him, we're at forty seven. And this is always where I think it's interesting with the running backs. If you're higher on these guys that are in that secondary type position, you are able to then potentially score bigger points. Like if you have a guy that like a Jordan Howard or um, you know, or another guy who was uh, uh, outperformed his draft stock or his ADP by about like tw- over 20 positions, Tevin Coleman, right? If you're able to grab these guys in the in the ninth, tenth, eleventh round, and all of a sudden they become your starting running backs, that's that's where that's where the momentum is, and that's where your wins are. Talking about Tevin Coleman, though, his case is a little bit weirder because mm-hmm. the reason you were drafting Tevin Coleman. You're expecting maybe a Devonta Freeman sort of coming back to earth or an injury to where he was just going to step in and take sort of the load to himself. You didn't think he was going to be sort of a gadget, you know, they literally used him as their flex player. But they also, <laughs> but they also used him a lot more than you would have thought for a guy that... Devonta Freeman coming off the season that he had the year before, but again, that was part and parcel. They were both coming in the same years as rookies, and Tevin Coleman was actually the guy they were higher on. He was the guy that they drafted. They, they were both rookies at the same time. Oh, was, was Coleman came in a year after Freeman? Coleman came in, yes. Okay, but they drafted Coleman to be the number no, one. Freeman's only been in the league three years. Okay, but they, they drafted Coleman to come in and be the number one, and then he got hurt and Freeman stepped up yeah, yeah, and yeah. took took the spot. So that was also one of those ones for me where when I had him, I don't know where you guys, where you had uh, everyone else had, but I had Coleman at 41, I think, uh, amongst running backs. And it was just because I'm, I was thinking, look, they still love all the talent that this guy had, and they were going to find a way to get him the ball more. Yeah, we were all pretty much on the same page with Tevin Coleman so in the mid-40s. So that puts us, we were, so uh, again, I think he was like a 47 overall is where his ADP was. So hmm. Yeah, we had him at 43 collectively. Uh, so I, I think the guy that D-Rex is going to bring up and talk about is his boy DeMarco Murray. I'll do it. I'm trying not to just always talk, go to that, but I, I was pretty proud of that one. Um, yeah, I had DeMarco Murray in at seven. Uh, he ended up finishing at the position number five. Um, compared to the field, I think you guys, I had him at seven. Stags had him at 15. Houdini, you had him at 20. Um, and Mo had him the lowest at 23. Um, I just I just really felt good in what I had seen in the preseason with that offensive line. Um, I just really felt that I, that offensive line was going to be one of the most improved. And I don't know. It was all eye test. I felt like he was going to be hungry with what went down in, um, in, in Philadelphia, where he went from the top of the mountain when he was with the Cowboys. Then his one season with Chip Kelly was a real nightmare. Uh, so I just felt good all around about uh, spray tan's possibilities. And I had, it ended up, you know, he actually caught up to me, but I didn't think Derrick Henry was going to do as much as he did. But when you see that guy, he ended up, what, having vulturing eight touchdowns 
and we talked about it on some shows. Derek Henry would get them all the way down and then tap out his helmet right when they're inside the 10, and then basically they'd give Derek Henry the opportunities. Now, next year with the size that, just the way that, I mean, Derek Henry is, he's got to be like the biggest running back ever in the history of the league. I mean, just height, size. He More is, than Okoye? I don't know. He's uh, definitely, Okoye wasn't tall. Okoye was like six feet, six one. He was a beast. But this guy, I mean, Derek Henry is like, He's like 6'4". When he's in the... He's the biggest guy in the huddle every time. So, he, I, Maybe he's like what Jim Brown was comparatively. Maybe. Because Jim Brown back when he played with, what, 230 or whatever? Yeah, he was, he was a man among boys. And I feel like, so now, going into next year, as much as I like a Henry and a great, you know, kind of career year beware... I'm gonna, I'm gonna still... I think he'll still slide because of all the this, uh, Henry reasons, but... Um, you know, just seeing how much he was, Henry was able to eat into his touchdowns uh, bummed me out. So there were so many times that Henry would get, or DeMarco would get them to the two yard line, and then Henry comes in and it's like, no, those are my points. Uh, so, good times all around. What do you got, Stag Party? I'm going to go with Arian Foster. I, I just, all season, uh, I mean, I ended up breaking him fairly high at 30th running back overall. Uh, but all season long, I was just like, I don't believe him. They're just, there comes a point in the offseason where it's like, this guy's our starting running back, and if I have this guy at running back 75, I look like a fucking moron. Yeah. So, so there comes that point where this guy's the starting running back in the league, I have to rank him as such, but I just didn't believe that Achilles injury and him getting back his form, and I, I wouldn't relent. But I remember. I remember. You're like you don't. You, you kept saying you don't recover as a running back from this injury, especially in your 30s and you're old and with that work workload. And so I just would not have that. Uh, I, I wish I would have stuck with Ajayi higher. I mean, I had it up to all the way to the last tiers. I'm gonna do a chart of how players sort idea. of flowed in my tiers, but there'd be so many data points that I don't know how I'm gonna pull it off. Maybe I just select. We all do it. Yeah, I think we should all do that in a little bit because, like you said, like Houdini said that about Derek Carr. I know that I did that with a number of players that I wasn't either super high on. I had them higher or lower guys that I moved around. Like, I remember I wasn't, I, I, I was really down on, on, um, on uh, Cam Newton, but by the end of it, in the same regard, I was like, I moved him up to number one where I think, like, my first set of tears, I had him at, like, number seven or eight. Yeah. People, I had. Aaron Rodgers pretty much is my QB1 throughout the entire, and it's just like, all the arguments and everything, it's just, even if he loses this many points and blah, 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 he's still going to finish head and shoulders above the field, and I'm like, even if he loses 15%, he's still better than the field, and I'm like, well, he's likely to lose 15%, but yeah, I think that's an important thing to remember. Because you have to be adaptable. You have to go with new information. Yep. And if a guy is going to be a starting running back, you have to react to news like that. Uh, if you think the number two guy there is more talented and more prone to step up, yeah, you're going to have to stay sort of with your laurels. And maybe maybe that guy's your number 32 running back. And, and the de facto starter is your number 35 or 40. Uh, guy, I'm gonna go with quickly, and I, I'm not gonna say that I was like drinking the Kool Aid on him, but I just the opportunity and the for him with Tom Brady, and just my feeling that God, again, the same way you just spoke about 
Rob Gronkowski, I wish I would have. I, I, there were many times where I had Jordan Reed as my number one guy, and I think even many times where I had Olsen had him. And I just did not feel good about Gronkowski this year. Uh, obviously, injury is hard to predict. I don't want to make it sound like I'm some sort of Nostradamus or whatever, but I just felt pretty good about Martellus Bennett. And uh, I ended up having him uh, ranked as my 11th tight end, and he finished as the 7th, I believe. Uh, finished as 7th. Um, maybe things change a bit if Gronk's there the whole season, but I don't know. I just felt like they were going to be able to, uh, when they brought him in, they had a reason behind it. They wanted that dual threat at the tight end position. And, um, you know, there's just, it, it, I felt like Bennett was going to get opportunities. And I've been a lifer, a guy that isn't even really too high on Bennett. I didn't love him as a bear. I think he's got a big mouth. He was a putz when he was in Dallas. But Tom Brady and tight ends are just something serendipitous that happens there. So I wish that I had kind of stuck to some of my guns and had him a little bit higher. But um, that, that's one guy that I feel like I was feeling pretty good about um, getting the opportunities with this new change of, pay, change of scenery from the Bears to uh, Tom Brady's world. So that's the guy I, I had. Yeah, Martellus Bennett. I mean, the thing with Gronk is... You get you had that protection in case of injury. You also just had some touchdown upside. Uh, and you knew that you know Bennett could do that and also sort of just be a safety blanket. So all those things sort of worked out. Uh, you know, looking at wide receivers, um, I, I think we collectively did a good job of ranking Jordy Nelson. I mean, he. You know, right around uh, wide receiver nine, yeah, he up there and finished at wide receiver one in standard leagues. But, it, but if you look at his ADP, you know, it fluctuated throughout the offseason. And, you know, from site to site, uh, he was either at, you know, 13 amongst wide receiver or 14. And then some had him a little bit in the eight to six range. But going out on a limb for a guy coming back from an ACL injury... It is a big sort of move, so uh, I like the Jordy call. I like that we all sort of stuck with it, and it's it's Jordy Nelson, you know, and just said I, the things he could do catching the ball on the sideline and his ability to score touchdowns in a high-powered offense. Glad we stuck by that one for as long as we did. And I was one guy. I just did, wasn't feeling good about the injury recovery. I had him at 15, but yeah, I think I I, I gotta just remember that he, it's it's Aaron Rodgers' best buddy. It's his uh, his blanket, security blanket, and he's just he's an other world talent. Um, so and that going into next year, even I don't I, I don't think you gotta move him down and worry career year beware because he just gets these things done. He's kind of just. Very consistent up there. Uh, he, there's no reason. Nobody not works think. the sideline like that guy. Yeah, and no, he's yeah, and no one knows how to keep the, the play alive like him. And when you got Aaron Rodgers, that can make make you know give eight nine seconds to a play. It's, it's it's pretty ridiculous. So I think one of the things I did in general a little bit is my hatred of Aaron Rodgers kind of brings down the whole party around him. So I gotta I gotta not think about my uh, love for Olivia Munn when I'm doing some of these rankings in next this off season. Do that when you have a bell birdie. Oh, my wife. Oh, my husband. Oh, my husband. Oh, my husband. Oh, my ball and chain. <laughs> you quit squirming and come here. <laughs> what is in the year? Not me yet. Not me yet. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's funny. Um, 
You got it? What do you got, Staggy? I got a quick one if you if you want me to go. Yeah. Dougie Baldwin, um, I, I, I think, you know, a guy that... Matt Damon, Doug Baldwin, a guy that showed that he could do it last year. Um, I, 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 I wish I would have ranked him a little higher. I just think we did that career be, year beware, but I think now we know that he's, he's Russell's guy. And uh, he's going to be, um, you know, a, 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 well, a top-end wide receiver, too, for years to come. And uh, I, I think I, I like Baldwin. I had him at 21, um, and he ended up finishing, you know, much better than that, actually. Oops, I hit the wrong button. Finished at 10. 10. But it was just a weird scoring year. Uh, last year, Doug Baldwin, if he scored the same amount of points would have finished as wide receiver 18. So, yeah, it was just a weird scoring year that when you talk about where he ended up finishing, it's always going to be in terms of relativity the year. It was just sort of one of those weird years in response to wide receiver scoring where the top-end guys didn't score as much, but throughout the top 50 or so, it was much more you know, balanced. I we, wish talk, I, we talked about that in our Trends podcast mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I wish one guy that I would have been a little bit um, held to my... my uh, I'm going to just do two in a row here and I'll shut up for a bit. But Alshon Jeffrey, I think I just got bought into your guys' love for him a little bit too much and kept moving him up and moving him up. But that's one of those guys that early tears, I had him super low. I love for him. I don't know who it was. Was it my love? Did I have more love for Alshon? Alshon got number 10. Yeah, you had him at 10. I had him at 17. Stag had him at 13. Mo had him at 11. You liked Alshon well, more than us, but... In I all guess honesty, I did you know, like, yeah, yeah, let, let, me, let me revisit, because I was thinking franchise tag, uh, contract year. Yeah, all the things that were going on, so... He's the only fucking receiver here? Guess, wow, did he blow it? Guess where he, well, guess where he ended up. He obviously got banged up for a few games. That's well, one of the reasons why I thought no, he didn't, didn't like he him. He got suspended. Yeah, suspended, for, that's right. That's right, he got suspended for four games. I thought he'd get hurt. He, that didn't happen, but um, guess guess where he finished off this year? Ten. <laughs> Ten? No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Where do you, where do you, 52. 52. Alshon, 14 games, or 12 games. Ooh, and look who was just ahead of him. Brandon Marshall, who, do you, do you hear what happened? Stags tweeted it out last night. Right, I didn't They're say saying the Jets are Alshon cutting. finished at 41. Or I'm back at last year, sorry. Man. Yeah, no, 52. 52. Um, yeah. They're saying, they're saying they're that cutting. Brandon Marshall, it will be cut. Yeah. I mean, he's got a two-year life span. I told you he was going to be the... How about, can I call a great I said he was going to be the cancer in the locker room. I said he was going to destroy that goddamn team. And sure enough, he did. And remember, he was the guy that made him go back and sign um, uh, Fitzmagic, which, which kind of just... Hurt any like, regress the franchise in, in general because that was all him. him. He go yeah, well, He didn't well, benefit from the rookies coming in there either, who normally pepper in the best uh, wide receiver with with passes. Yeah. Uh, but Brandon Marshall, that was one of our good calls as well because everybody collectively had him as a top ten wide receiver across the board. His ADP in every single site was that he was a top ten wide receiver collectively. We had him what fourteen. Yeah, nope. we had him at 14. Nobody had him higher than 12. Yeah, number 8. Uh, me and, uh, and Houdini were at 16. You were at 14. And uh, and then... Mo had him at 12. Mo had him at 12. Nobody had him higher than 12. Like, so... Yeah. That was... I I just believe in 
Brandon Marshall being cancer. But and, and the reason why, remember last year when he was delivering for you his first year there, the reason why he was great is because you were able to get him at an ADP value. Like you were getting him in that seventh and eighth round uh, in ten man leagues. So and, and draft so. him next year wherever he goes to the next team because he always does great yeah. in that first year, yeah. and then get away. He's, I agree. Where do you think he goes? Like, where, does, where can a guy like that go? He's been on Denver, so he can't go back there. Been on Miami. He's been on Miami. Been on our team. Now he's on um, the Jets. L.A. Rams. Right. L.A. Rams. San Francisco 49ers. He's going to the Rams. I hope he wears 81 for the Niners. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to see him at 15 because that's Crabtree's. I think of Crabtree when I think of 15 of the Niners. Um all right, any uh, you want to let's throw a couple other guys and then we can go to uh, and if we want we can start mixing up kind of guys we, we we missed in and kind of merge merge the uh, you know epic falls uh, part of this segment. Um, I feel pretty good about how we all said Flacco is going to have some games where he's a fantasy starter for you, but he's not a legitimate back end QB one. Uh, you know he's he's gonna have because we, remember there's a lot of talk in the preseason. Trustman, they're gonna throw it all over the field. He's gonna have the most attempts he's ever had in his career, and it's like oh well that doesn't really make him a good quarterback. Uh, and, and we were really worried about all the other weapons he had. So I, I, I think sticking to the guns on Flacco and not really moving him up ever past you know QB. I think early. We were high on Flacco. I think he was real high in our early set of tears, and we just kept pushing him down. It's like, no, can't get bit by the Flacco again. <laughs> Fuck, I was, I was the highest on him by far. Get out of my head, dog. Get out of my head, dog. I'm not, I'm not buying you it. You called it perfectly. He finished, right, 20 and, or, or 21, and you guys both were spot on with Flacco. I had him at 16. Um, I, I, I was buying into the Tressman dealio for sure. Buy, drinking a Kool-Aid. Yeah, I, I was. Um... So yeah, no, that, that's that's a pretty pretty good call. Uh, Cutler, another guy that bolted that we all kind of were uh, pretty pretty. Uh, bad. Cutler's bad. <laughs> He's bad. That Cutler's twenty seventh on him. Cutler obviously got hurt, but he ended up finishing thirty ninth. Okay, so I'll, I'll mix it a bad call here. We I guess we weren't high enough on Dak Prescott, and I can tell you the reason I wasn't high enough on Dak Prescott. I didn't think he played the whole fucking season. Yeah. So if I thought he was only going to play eight games, and then Tony Romo is going to be back to take over this team to lead a late season push into the playoffs, that means Dak Prescott at, at, at the best, you know, he's scoring eighteen points a game for eight games, puts him at a certain point threshold mm-hmm. that ends up being like QB thirty. Like that, that's it. That's all I really got to say on the Dak, the, the Dak, Dak attack. attack. <laughs> nice. I think I probably had him the highest, didn't I? Me and you had him the same at 24. 24. Uh, Staggs was lo- a little bit lower and Mo was a little bit lower, but we had him at 24, which I feel pretty good about that slotting because I, I, I felt like he had it. When I drafted him in a league, I felt like he was going to keep the job for some reason, but I guess that didn't represent my uh, my, my yeah, tears. tears. I was, uh, but, well, here, I'll give you one that I whiffed on. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Okay? Again, I, I said I wasn't... But um, you moved him up. You he wasn't too. He wasn't. Be- you had him at six by the end of it. Yeah, I know. But I did have him initially. Like I get like number ten or eleven. So my rethinking on this, on the whiff, is saying you know what? For me, where I think I really failed was 
it's not as much about the running back as it is about the line. And when you have a line as good as Dallas's line was, what you know, guys like Darren McFadden were able to do the year before, and Elliott is that also on top of it that rare talent. I I don't know, maybe it was just like some Urban Meyer bias, or I just didn't want to, yeah. uh, you know, I just didn't want to believe it. But he was a big key to the resurgence of the running backs this year. But again, when you get if if you go to the if you get in the right position and the behind the right line, it makes all the difference in the world. Otherwise, you could be like Melvin Gordon, right? Melvin Gordon struggled in his rookie season. Then this year, only reason why he ended up having the the, the, the good year, great year that he had, because everybody got hurt around him, yeah. and then he was forced into the into the gig. But he did have a great second. I mean, just the progression. Oh, it was amazing. It was lights out. But Ezekiel Elliott came coming in, automatically was the best running back that they had in in their in their facility. I think one thing we we know now is that you look at the drafts that have happened over the last five years, and other than Gurley and Ezekiel Elliott, running backs go late. The running back position is not like it used to be. Um, and, you know, that might change this year. You know, Fournette might, uh, might go pretty high. But I feel like if guys are in a team that have a line like that and get drafted super high, there's they usually have turned out to be the real deal talent-wise. So he had that perfect merger of, like, when a guy gets – when a running back gets drafted super high, I, I'm, I'm going to take notice. Well, I see, but I was also – real quick, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but this is perfect key why. I was burned – in my uh, keeper league, the 16-team keeper league, I had the number one pick, and I took Trent Richardson. Yeah. Over Andrew Luck, and uh, you know, yeah. so that's. I got gotcha. you. Uh, I wasn't doing that again. Forgot what you were gonna say. Motherfucker. <laughs> It'll come back to you. It'll come back. Well, here's a good one that I've got. Um, this I've got. I'll go oh. back. Okay, I got it. <laughs> Motherfucker. It's like I do. Swear at Houdini, you'll remember. This is, this is all your fault. So it was also Dallas wanting to recommit to that style of the DeMarco Murray year in which they that was the best football they played in the last decade. That they wanted to be a run first team, establish the run, and that's why, you know, you could be so high on a rookie. Because you know the workload will be there. And I think his workload was higher than even I expected. Well, you know why? Because Darren Ben broke his elbow trying to grab a phone. And we knew that at the last. That happened in, in August, I believe, last year. Yeah, but they uh, still had Alfred Morris. You had him high. But that's probably why you started to move him up. I, everyone else, I mean, you didn't. You were like, this is this is. Elliot's job, and I was a little more worried that Darren McFadden was going to eat into his targets. I'm sure you were as well, because McFadden had 1,100 yards the previous year. It wasn't like he was chopped liver um, it, it, the, the previous season. So when but that happens, I think all he started moving. You had him there the whole time, stage, But I think for all of us, and I always liked him. Last year, I was always I was on board when you were like, "Dude, that line, this guy's sick." I totally agree. But with with McFadden going down, I, I was just like, oh, "Okay, it's, it's, it's <laughs> a little bit easier." This is all his shit. But the other thing why why the offensive line matters so much is because I was worried about a rookie wall. And yeah. the fact of the matter is, you don't really have to worry about a rookie wall when you're hardly taking any hits. Yeah. You know, when you're not getting hit until and you're when seven, you're jumping yards, over fools. Well, or, but when you're, and you're not getting hit until eight yards down the field, it means you're not getting hit by defensive linemen. And also, I so, think these guys are so much more prepared the way that, like, 
basically now high school for some of these guys that like a, like a guy that's been a highly touted player from for previous seven years before he's even has his first down in the NFL. These guys are really game ready and their bodies are ready. They're they're men now when they get to this uh, this level, even even when they leave a little early in college. So the whole hitting a wall thing still happens, but it's a little bit more of uh, it's a little bit more in the hindsight in my worries these days, just because these guys train year round. Not they're badasses when they get to the NFL. Think about this. This is the other new new aspect. It made more sense when they only played 12 games and had a bowl game. And they had a month off before the bowl game. Yeah. You know, Ezekiel Elliott was coming off playing for a national championship, which meant that he actually played, what, 15 games the year before? Mm-hmm. 14 or 15. So, so, so he basically played a full NFL season. Wow. Okay, cool. I'm going to do a little back-to-back. I'm going to do my last good call that I made. Um... And it was in a negative light, and then I'll do my bad, my, my bad call. Same position, both running backs. C.J. Anderson, I was way down on him last year. I just did not feel that he was going to be able to um, make it happen. I liked Booker going in the offseason. I thought he would get a lot of opportunities. Obviously, C.J. Anderson got hurt, so that helped my cause. But that was one of the issues that I had with him. I felt like he was coming off a huge season, a Super Bowl season, where they, they relied on him a lot, and he was up and down that season. I just did not buy into the C.J. Anderson love. I don't know what his ADP was, but I'm pretty sure it was like seven or eight. I'll tell you. And I'll in that you. regard, we were we were we were we were all a little bit down or more down on him. I think Th- thirteen. So he was thir- So Stags was perfect. And I had him at twenty-seven. Mo had him at thirteen as well. You were a little more down on him as well, Houdini at nineteen. So I just felt like he was not gonna. I thought I just didn't think he was gonna be able to bottle it up on that team. And obviously. Um, but that, do you remember? It was a tough. It was a tough but one. when it went down, what was he? Running back ten. Do you remember week one? He had a great. He had a, week. He had a great week one. I remember that. And I'm going. What the hell? <laughs> you got me again. <laughs> no, <he laughs> didn't did. draft you this year, and you got me again. Yeah, yeah. He, he did have that big week one. I remember that. But uh, anyway, long, he, I'm going by the final numbers here, fellas. <laughs> I mean, I, if we're only talking about injury, then the worst player we. Ranks is by far Adrian Peterson, but I wasn't bringing in injuries to the sort of equation. Uh, but let, let's be honest. Other than that one, uh, he got injured, but he wasn't looking so great. He was RB ten through the first eight weeks of the season. Let's look at his game splits right now. Okay. Let's look at him. Let's go game split skis. I know he had that beautiful first one. We're going in there. Come on, baby. Where's game splits? All right. Okay, 25 fantasy points, 15 fantasy points, 4.1, 11.2, 6.2, 7.1, 16.7. <laughs> it was a little good in the bad, but yeah, there was little, the upside. He had, he had his second best game in, in, the, in the one that he got injured. And I still think everybody who watched the games last season can agree that C.J. Anderson is better than Booker. I agree with that. Booker has Booker, lost look, his opportunity. And looking ahead to next year... You know, you could sort of take that. Maybe they work together, and then maybe they draft another guy. But I think C.J. Anderson's a, a little bit ahead, or clearly ahead, of Devonta Booker heading into next season. I don't disagree with that. But when C.J. Anderson did go down, they were splitting carries at that point. Already at that point, they were pretty much splitting carries. But unfortunately, Devonta Booker did not show enough when he oh, had yeah. the opportunity. Better day. Looks like you got a little pain behind those eyes. Yeah, maybe a little. 
really the only one cure for that. Sir. Weed. You got it? Uh, let's go surfing. Well, we know that one of my guys that I liked on the Redskins was the my pater dude, Cousins, as guy I brought up last week, so I'm not going to talk about him, but that was my shining uh, two uh, moment here. My other guy that I was super high on on this team was probably my worst call, and that's Matt Jones. I just felt like he was going to be able to bottle it up and be a top guy, um, have a good... I, I felt like he was a, a, a solid RB2 and drafted him as so. I basically took him probably in the fifth or sixth round in every league I was in. I had him ranked 15th at the running back position, and obviously, I mean, in some ways, is his career over? I mean, he could, he's... They're saying they are going to go out and draft the running back to replace both Rob Kelly yeah. and you know Matt Jones, but you can't completely bury Matt Jones yet because they like some of the things he does, and they're hoping he learned uh, a lesson from this, but that they're still planning to add a guy in the draft that could be dynamic, and, and they like what Thompson can do as sort of that change of pace player. So looking for a, a, another thumper who could take care of the ball uh, when they just let one go and Alfred Morris. They're also going <laughs> to add a wide yeah. receiver, though, because they're probably going to potentially lose Deshaun Jackson. Yep. And how much longer does Pierre Garçon have left? Um, well, he's also Jam- a free agent. Okay, okay that's, right, that's right, too. And Jamison Crowder, is he your number one? Dachshund, they were hoping that he'll, he'll recover from injury. I think they got they want, they want they to re-sign one, either, either Garcon which or... One do you, well, which, which one would you re-sign? Okay, based on what they have, I would. if you have Dachshund, you think Dachshund's going to take over the Deshaun Jackson role, so you re-sign Pierre Garcon. Why would he take over yeah, the Deshaun Jackson role? I don't think he does. He's more of a he's more of a just an all-around wide receiver kind of split. He's got that speed, though, doesn't he? Yeah, it's four, not really. Four, five, four, five. But he's not that take the top. I, he, think, they, I think they've got to re-sign Deshaun because he's he opens stuff up so much, but the money differentiator between a Garcon resigning and, and yeah. Deshaun, Deshaun can go out, and we know he's going to go out. Well, Baltimore are going to go try and get as much money as they can. Deshaun, 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 thinks, Deshaun thinks he should be the highest paid wide receiver in the league, and him and his agent are going to try and play that. He's going to go get money, so I think he's going to be out, but I'd rather have him. He'll be here in Chicago. Jeez. It'll be like when we signed Moussa Muhammad. Oh, my oh. God. Coming off that, that huge year, that he's going to be like, where wide receivers go to die. Oh, my God. But I got paid. Yeah, I got money, but I'm rich. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's my guy. So, Matt Jones, I was so psyched on him. I just thought he was going to be this value pick and deliver it. And in all honesty, when you look at his, his first couple games, he looked pretty good, but he fumbled one time like while he was extending for the end for the uh, for the end zone on a goal line play he, he just he started fumbling and then all of a sudden Gruden was like you know what message time take take a seat and was deactive for what the last 11 games of the season maybe 10 um geez Louise didn't go as planned there so Crone I got a pie in my face on Matt Jones I'm sorry if you listen to me and you took him D-Rex was wrong Go for it. All right, well, I was wrong when it came to Calvin Benjamin. All of our fights about it, they're okay. Smile, smile, smile. No, that's good. not what I'm doing. I'm like, were you? Like, you should look at the end number and you're like, I was the closest to being actually right on his final rank. But you, you, you set thresholds. I set a higher threshold for it. So, you know, again, we're... we're 
where he ended up. So where what was his what was his final number here? Let me see. Nineteen. Nineteen. Where did you have him ranked? Like eighteen? Uh twenty-seven. Eighteen. Eighteen. Oh, my, oh that's you stakes, I'm sorry. Um, but but 18, the, yeah. the, but the difference is is that with his numbers, had the numbers for the wide receiver position been what they were the year before? Or the trend of the last well, five years. He so. probably would have finished at about a wide receiver 34, 35. And I'll also say that via those arguments that we had on this podcast during the offseason, I'd like you to look and see where you had him at the beginning. Oh, you I don't know. I'm moving down. You were moving him down. So Stag already talked you off of that. Oh, I have For a while, I think you had, him, yeah, you had him real high. And we're like, dude, finally you're like, you're eking him out and he's shrouded. And we all do that. I mean, that's part of, that's one of the things that, you know, you said earlier in the show that's just smart. You know, if you got a guy and you stick to a guy, be able to stick to that guy and say, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And we say this. You got to have guys you can go down swinging with. Yeah. But if you can't go down swinging with the guy, knock him down. But here's the other thing. And, and the other part about that was, is was he a guy that I was willing to, to, to want to fight all the way through on? And no, because as I had all my teams, he wasn't on any of my teams. You're like so a, I didn't like end up beating, drafting him. You're like a beaten down husband that Kinda. gets slapped by his wife and up. You're like, all right, I'll do the friggin' dishes, honey. But it's hilarious because in one of the leagues, which was an auction league, where, where you have to down. decide where to spend your money, and I let Kelvin Benjamin go, I think, because he was getting up at like $35 plus. I'm like, I don't want to spend that much on him. I figured I'd be able to get him in a value. And instead, I spent my $39 on T.Y. Hilton. Money much better spent uh, on that one. That's one of the guys I'm bummed out at. I think at the very beginning of the tiers, the last two years, I had him super high. I think my first round was that? Sorry. T.Y. Hilton. I had him super high, like I think number five. And I just started slowly buying into that love and the Moncrief love. And I ended up having Moncrief the highest. So this is a guy that I can talk about personally. Moncrief was wrong on him. You know, he's too touchdown dependent. Um, he got injured, so that hurt the situation. But I start every every round I was bringing T.Y. down and moving uh, Moncrief up. And I'm bummed out I did that because T.Y.'s unguardable. Uh, ended up with having him at 13, which I guess was still Stags had him the highest at 12. But next year, I'm just going in. Luck loves him. I'm going in next year. Ty, I don't care who gets drafted. I don't care what happens. Ty for me is going to be a top six or seven guy. He's just he's just that. He's just too good. I'll probably have him right on the borderline of top 10 again, just because those touchdowns for him seem to fluctuate between five and seven. So if he's a five touchdown guy, even if he's you know, 1,400, 1,500, 1,600 yards, the numbers really don't say that he should be a top five guy, per se. Which is what so, he was this year with 14-something and Well, the league leader in, league leader in touch, uh, receiver, receiver reception yards. So, that's one thing. Uh, a guy I, we, I, I guess we missed on, but got injured real early after a big start to the season, Keenan Allen. Oh, God. I'm just not going to... Like, we're talking about him now just because I want to bring up next season. Yeah. I'm not going to buy into this Keenan Allen is a wide receiver one shit again. I don't care about the volume of targets. That's it. And, and that's all he is. Like, if, if, if all he is is a target machine where he's not good at anything else, he's just a guy that won't be on my team that year. Like, if he, all he has is volume, because volume could change. Because they could decide to throw more to Tyrell Williams, who's more dynamic. Or, you know, take deep shots to Travis Benjamin. 
or get Hunter Henry more involved. This is the point. When he was coming into this year, he was still by far the best wide receiver that they had on that team. Lots happened. Now you go down a week after week one, right? And now all of a sudden we found out what we have in Tyrell Williams. And then you know what? We found out we actually have something in Dontrell Inman too. So Bull, top great talent. Because what top happens top is is so important in football is do you get the reps? If you get the reps and the starter reps and you're out there playing, you're gonna get better. Or you have an opportunity to get better, and if you have talent, you can take it to that next level. And let's all agree with this, too. There is not one of us here that said with Keenan Allen that, oh, my God, is this the most physically gifted receiver at all that we had ever seen. What we saw was a very hard worker who was very touchdown dependent when he was scoring all of those points as well, and target dependent. So target and touchdown dependent. And I think it's a fair assessment. I, I would say for me, if I'm looking at 2017 right now, with injury history as well, because if you've missed as many games as he has over his first last two seasons, was that his, his second and third season, right? He's basically played with five games the last. That season. you that you can I cannot comfortably put him higher than like wide receiver twenty two at this point in time. And let's also remember in that situation, as much as we like a Tyrell and, and I like an Inman, you know, the game uh, I test. You lost Woodhead this season, who last year had 81 catches. So now you've got 81 catches coming to back to, into the mix with Woodhead, and potentially you know you've got the, the 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 ones coming back from Keenan Allen. So there's a lot of you know. So that eats into the Inman and, and Tyrell love that we may have. So let's let's and do, and, we'll the, and the rookie. So let's do a little foreshadowing real quick. We'll see about hold on Henry. Well, no, we'll see about Danny Woodhead. Because he's a free agent, mm-hmm. a thirty-year-old free agent with some, you know, ACL history. Is he a guy who ends up back in, you know, San Diego uh, or, or LA? Go, go somewhere else? Oh, my bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah fuck that. Yeah, yeah go super team. Well, I, I, I this read today though. Before you go on, is I read that, and it doesn't matter because if he's a free agent, he might not be back. But they said he's six weeks ahead of schedule on his uh, in his comeback and his training. Rehab. Look, a 30 is not as old as, as it had been in years past now, especially with some of these guys that just aren't the lead backs and then they're able to, to, to take it over time. And I think that it's a great fit being him with, with Phillip Rivers. But even if he, Danny Woodhead comes back, is Danny Woodhead going to be that 81 catch guy? No, I bet you he drops down to be more of like a, a 45 50 catch guy. You know, it's just kind of one of those mm-hmm. passing of the torch things. Hey, look, we, we now know that we want to have Melvin Gordon on the field a lot more than we did yeah. at the beginning of last year. So, so Danny Woodhead's going to get eaten into anyway. But the, the one that uh, the foreshadowing I want is kind of going back to what Staggs had did that uh, helped both you and my teams out by saying grab Tyrell Williams now because he's going to be this value. I got him. Help me go on an eight-game win streak. Me no too. And I traded, I traded a Darren Sproles to get him, and I got him at a two-dollar value in, a, in an auction league, which means next year he maybe he can go to four or five bucks, whatever. It's a, it's a fucking value. I'm going to go knowing that if Keenan Allen's back, knowing that if Danny Wood has back, knowing of all these different things, that the Tyrell Williams end of the season point spree that we saw is not going to be there. But there's going to be someone in my league who's going to look at the points from last year, who's not going to put together all these other people that are coming back, and I will ship him off at that price and demand a return. And then all of a sudden, you can be setting yourself up for success with that another flip of a Tyrell Williams. Likey, likey, likey. Um, you got you got something up your sleeve over there, Stag Party? How about fucking Devontae Adams? 
Oh God, we all I, I, we, <laughs> we buried that motherfucker yeah, until last year. Seventy-seven or something like that. Yeah, because we were all so high on him last year. You know, all the targets that should come his way in the wake of a Jordy Nelson injury, but uh, you know they're gonna say that he was more injured than we expected, and he had more drops. But even if you sort of discount the twelve touchdowns he scored. And think of him as more of a seven or eight touchdown guy. He had nearly a thousand yards receiving on the season, 121 targets, and Randall Cobb just doesn't seem to be able to put together this this streak of games anymore. And he's getting more dinged up and beat up every kind of week. Or he's going to sit out half the snaps uh, and only be a real third down and red zone type player. So Devontae Adams playing on the outside, you know, with the talented quarterback, uh, you know, in Aaron Rodgers. I think we had to give him more of a chance, but how, how could we? What was his ADP? That's a good question. Well, his ADP, like, I don't know what it was, but I will Und- tell you this. Undrafted? <laughs> I, will tell you, I will tell you this. In, in, my, in, in like a 14-team keeper league, he was dropped by a team last year. Um, he goes into the auction and he didn't hardly go for any money. Like no one, and this was 14 teams where like everyone has to go for money. Like he went for like 15, 18 bucks. Which, when you have 14 teams, everyone's keeping half of the rosters. Usually, there's no one of value that's out there, so people get overpaid for. And there was no one that was really willing to spend money on Devontae Adams at the beginning of this last year. Remember how many drops he had last year? That was the thing that stuck in everyone's craw, and you're like. If you have Aaron Rodgers and you drop the ball, he's not going to throw it to you anymore. Yeah. He he must have done a lot of uh, working in the offseason. Another guy that's in that similar vein uh, for me that I'm a little bummed out because I felt like, especially because of D- um, Dak, uh, I wish that I had gone. We were all kind of in the same zone. You actually had him the highest, Houdini, is uh, Cole Beasley. Um, I felt like Beasley was going to be much better than I'm giving him credit for. Uh, The fact that I had Terrence Williams ranked higher than Cole Beasley going in the last season, I'm a little bummed out. I had him at 84, you had him at 79, and Beasley ended up the season at, um, where are you, Mr.? Roger Seaver, 38. 38. So I'm a little bummed just because there was a lot of uh, games in the previous season where it just, he had that Edelman-esque kind of thing where he was unguardable in certain situations. And um, so I'm a little bummed out, and I feel like I missed the boat there. Uh, on the flip side, another guy that I'm happy about that I think I ranked a lot more on point uh, than a lot of the experts out there, and, and some of you, and you guys as well, is Bolden. Uh, Bolden, I had a 52. Uh, Stag Party obviously hated that fucking old timer. He had him at 94. He ended up um, where did Bolden end up? He ended up 44. So. I liked Bolden. He's done. I think he's probably retired. I mean, he's going to retire, right? <laughs> but I thought he'd have a swan song, and he, he was basically just touchdowns that was, mm-hmm. he was giving him um, his points. He that was the benefit of not having a, a, a Calvin Johnson there. He actually had 67 catches, but look at how many yards he had on those 67 catches. He was, 584. He was not running like anything three, downfield. Yeah. He was running eight yard outs. Great. He was he was getting, but he was a red zone guy, you know. So he was. He had that nice floor with, with giving you the touchdowns. I mean, again, not having Calvin Johnson there who was getting those red zone targets, they had to go somewhere. And you He know, was like a tight end the Stags have been saying all year. Yeah. yeah. If we would have considered him a tight end and, you know, well, Ebron missing games, uh, I guess I would have ranked him a little higher, but I, I didn't see a tight end eight 
a fucking Dwayne Allen type of season <laughs> where he's catching eight touchdowns for 400 yards, where he finishes 66th in receiving yards among wide receivers, uh, finishing, you know, as a top receiver. 45. And the thing is, how, but honestly, how many weeks did you want to use Ain't Bolton? Not many. For, for, I mean, like, there was two matchups where, like, Bolden in the slot this week is excellent. Pick him up off waivers and play him. But, you know, he wasn't one of those guys that you're consistently rolling out there. Too touchdown dependent for that. Uh, well, but you wonder what the, okay, here's another guy that's similar. Okay, here's another one that I wish I was higher on. Because I know that I was higher on the guy and I just got talked into it because of that same type of position. That slotty type guy. Oh, slotty. slotty. Yes. Those fucking slotty bitches up slotty in here. Slotty. That slotty bitch, Jamison Crowder. And with Crowder, it was, look, here's the guy who initially, if you remember, the game, he just doesn't score touchdowns. Then he started scoring touchdowns. And I would like be having him on my bench in my 16-team league, and I'm like, I'm having 14 points on my bench. Why am I doing this? It was like three weeks in a row. Then he started putting him in there, and he was producing him. And, and, and he finished, he either was like number 19. For a while. No, he's 29. 29. But, but he was, he was 13. Yeah. yeah. He's number 13 with five weeks left in the yeah. season. He or was way up there, but he kind of fell, he fell off at the end for sure. So he's one of those guys that becomes a kind of quandary for next year, too. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with the wide receiving core in Washington. But here's a, here's a player that, based on what he did, I think... Obviously, his draft stock goes up. I mean, look, first of all, we also seen this is this is what was so interesting about this year. And maybe it's that whole transformation. Remember when I did the whole article, what, three three years ago when Mike Evans came out, the, the height, does it matter? And it was more about does it matter more as a rookie? Because it, it was the shorter receivers were still becoming more prevalent, but they were just having their, their success come a little bit later than the initial success that a big body can, can do. So... With the Jamison Crowders, the Cole Beasleys, the Adam uh, Humphreys, the, uh, the Adam Thielens, the uh, Jarvis Landrys, these, these guys that are running around in the, in the middle of the field now, Julian Edelman's, and T, you know, T.Y. Hilton, who can, can be moved all over, but is a smaller receiver. So these players are more and more prevalent in NFL offenses as, as the spread offense has become the standard now. Where it used to be, your wide receiver three, your, your slot, so you're really only going to be there on 30% of the plays. You'd be a slot receiver and be out there on 90% of the plays. Well, I think one of the things that I, I, I'm agreeing with you, because remember, I liked Coleman a lot, and he was, got a little banged up, start, had a couple good games, right? He had a good game right before getting hurt, but I'm starting to agree. Like, I'm going to stay away. Younger players that are small, I'm just, they're just. It, they can't get it done. The game's so much different. The way they can scheme you and and, and, and have d- coverage and, and, and kind of double cover you when you've got that elusive, elite kind of uh, small body talent, it just sometimes doesn't seem to really unless, work at the NFL level. Unless you have ridiculous speed, okay? I, I don't even know if it's that. I don't know if speed matters. Tyreek Hill, it matters no, for him. No, no. Tyreek Hill doesn't matter because of speed. He matters because of foot quickness. I think quickness is more important when you're a small, shifty receiver than just speed. Because we're talking about guys like J.J. Nelson. J.J. Nelson is fast. He is not quick. Uh, so we're talking about guys like Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks got had a great, you know, pretty good rookie season. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess an quick. acceleration from start to yeah. stop. But I want to ask you this. Is Tyree the, Hill. Hold on. But is the shuttle uh, test that they do, is that really a good... 
indicator of what that speed is because that's just side to side. What it, it's not about, what, what I want to know is the guy that can stop to avoid a hit and then it, how quick can you change direction and then go forward? Because that's one of those things with like a Tyreek Hill, and again, it's like you have to see it in football sense. I don't know if there's drills that really show what those guys well, are. There's the 10 yard split and a 40 yard dash, yeah. which I care heavily about. It mixed in with your sort of uh, the cone drill, three cone and, drill. And also, they do the, it's not, they don't measure the time on it, but you see, can but, see but, it. But I can hold on. Okay. Um, when you catch the ball on like some of these, some of these, when they got the quarterback starting the wide receiver, when they catch the ball and they zoom up the field, like when you see that zero to sixty, yeah, you know, again, it's not time and not a measurement that you can see, but eye test, you can be like, wow, that motherfucker just grabbed that ball and went and was flying down the field pretty fast. So maybe it's that kind of zone that could help. But that's a great point, Stags. Well, I, I, I don't care about the ten, the ten yard split because they're in a goddamn runner stance. Tell me once a wide receiver ever in football pads is ever running in a runner stance. No, but I, if, I'm saying it's just the quickness aspect. No, 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 I get that too. I get that too. But my whole point is this. If you want to run a 40-yard dash, forget about running a 40-yard dash. We're not here for track stars. What we're here for is how is your football speed. And you want to judge all this on the guy that's 4-1, 4-spin. I want to know what your speed is when you're starting it in a standing wide receiver position to go. Because well, maybe, maybe that's the kind of thing that you do on your pro day. If you're if you're really thinking about drafting, maybe these are the things that they pull people aside. Because Jerry Rice, you know, my favorite athlete of all time, didn't measure well in the 40-yard dash, but they said that he ran like he ran scared when he caught the ball. When he his his zero to sixty was like nobody else's, and when no one ever caught up to him, and it was kind of that fear factor where it was just like when he got the ball in his hands, he's like, I am running scared. Well, that's my whole point. With I don't believe in the underwear Olympics anymore, and I don't put as much stock into these numbers and shit that come up because it has nothing to do. You're not wearing pads. You're not in a game type situation. You're not facing off against a defender. It's not. You're not. So there's nothing that I can really gain except for okay, in a controlled environment where you just spent the last three months going to a camp to to improve your skills in these things. That don't actually translate to the football field. Well, maybe it's so. So for me, is this? This is where I think it's and it sucks because, yeah, you have to rely on some of those stats, but then there has to be an eye test, and maybe you'll see that, 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 that they'll start changing. Maybe when these teams work uh, players out uh, individually on their own, they've got their own kind of elements and, and criteria. That, but that we'll never know because they won't show us. Uh, we won't be able to see how how they work them out all the time. So. And the same thing is they're always doing the same things as they want to run their 40 times to see what it is. But to me, is just change it. Have them run the 40 like they actually run 40 yards in the NFL. Yeah. And then you'll actually be able to tell who's quick off the line in a normal stance. Now, if you want to let Carl Lewis line up on the outside and, and, and let him get into the blocks before he goes off on the, uh, on the hike, that's fine too. But until that day, I would... There was a day when people thought that the uh, NFL teams were clamoring to talk to Carl Lewis. Just can't catch the ball. Yeah, can't catch. Uh, what do you got, Stag Party? Nothing? No, I'm trying to think of a good topic to hit. What are you guys thinking? Uh, well, well, Golden Tate and Marvin Jones. I think... It sort of ended up to where we had them. We had Golden Tate as the 22nd receiver and Marvin Jones as the uh, 32nd receiver. And they ended up finishing pretty close to that. So Golden Tate finished 23rd and Marvin Jones finished at 37. And Marvin Jones would have been higher if he did anything. 
you know, more than that 200-yard game. No doubt. Uh, but Mar- Marvin Jones was sort of a – if you take out the expectations of the 200-yard game and, and just look for those sort of five for 50s, you know, Marvin Jones had a pretty successful season. But but, but you're looking for more? That, that blew up his expectations, you know, early yep. in the season. But, like, but, but also weren't you thinking, again, with Calvin Johnson leaving – that void that Marvin Jones, he, I would call it a disappointment of a season. You shouldn't have these four for 50s. I mean, I no, mean, because I, I thought those targets were going to Golden Tate and other players, which they did. And I thought Marvin Jones would see the 110-ish targets. Like, he's right where I projected him for targets and you know, catches and receptions. He just wasn't there in touchdowns. Well, the thing for me is that I look at it from him as a season, as a disappointment in the sense that look at all the other things that fell apart for for, uh, Detroit. You lost Amir Abdullah. (laughs) You had Theo Riddick who was doing all the damage in the receiving end. Then you lost Theo Riddick for, what, the last half of the season. And where were those passes being picked up? And it wasn't by Marvin Jones. The person who spiked toward the end of the year was Golden Tate. So and Ebron started looking a little bit better with more opportunities. Still not great. Which is it, it all just speaks to me and that Marvin Jones wasn't getting like like a number one wide receiver rep, you know uh, uh, respect around the league. He was just kind of putting up secondary numbers against secondary guys. Any other dudes? I mean, then it's fine if we had this be one of our nice. We, we said before we started the show we wanted to do maybe. Maybe whatever happens, let's 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 listen to one of our sponsors right now. And right on the rebound, we got a Houdini. I gotta have a drink, so Alright, so I came here to give you my demo. I just I I, I worship you and I just wanted to give you my demo. Just take a listen and, and Because you know what? You don't want to be the guy sitting there watching BBC and saying, Oh, I saw that guy. He was my waiter and I totally dismissed him like everyone else does in his life. And I totally she was wrong because he's a major, major, major influence on me now. And I feel terrible. <clears throat> that stupid English voice, was that me? Unfortunately, yes. How about a guy we nailed, uh, and he just exceeded... I don't know about you, I've never nailed any guys. (laughs) (laughs) Not to say anything wrong with it, but it's just not my thing. That was was, was my Ali G right there. Rashard Matthews. Uh, So he, by ADP, was ranked as the 70th wide receiver in fantasy. And we all thought... You know, this is the guy who's got a chance to be the number one sort of wide receiver on this team coming over. And we ranked him as the 48th wide receiver. Uh, so that's significantly higher than the field. A couple other guys that were close to dead on with. Me and you are a bolt on 48, 48 with him. Yeah, I could have been even higher. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, a couple other guys that we were on and off. How about Sterling Shepard? He was, you know, sort of our favorite rookie. Uh, that's probably wrong. 
probably a Corey Coleman rated higher. But Sterling Shepard, we had him as a wide receiver four. He was going to make impact for you. A guy that I was dead wrong on, Torrey Smith. Torrey yeah. Smith. Yeah. Oh, I was I was about to, when he finish. I don't care. I think he's like I think he's off like all. I, love, oh, I, I think he's talking about Steve Smith. I'm bad. I went through like Torrey. I think I went through like like passing wide receiver seven. Ninety-seven. Ninety. He wasn't on the first two pages, so I, I was like, I don't think he's there. So, so Torrey Smith. I just thought, hey, it's a Chip Kelly offense where they throw, and they're going to need to throw. They've got you know no other players to throw to, and yeah. Torrey Smith got none of those targets again. And we've seen some highs with Torrey Smith in Baltimore, and now they're just all gone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he he chased the money, and, and his stats uh, went chasing, too. Yeah, and he was, he, uh, he was always overrated. He was, he was made by the amazing deep-passing ability of Flacco. That was why he was so great for those years, in my opinion. Um, and because he would have one or two... Huge games a year yeah. that help boost all the stats. He's just not good. When, I mean, let's be honest. What, what's the uh, when Curly came in and Week One had he was signed like two days before, and Curly Week One had the big game and was better than him all season. And it, he's just not very good, uh, Smith. So uh, one th- one question you don't have to answer now. We can talk about some of this other, but Houdini, maybe for our listener, what could be a cool thing is like how you brought up how t- you got Terrell Williams for pretty cheap in an auction league or whatnot. Um, maybe some guys that you really overpaid for throughout this oh. season, or guys that you. And I, I'm not. I don't mean to put you on the spot. We can talk about some other. Some guys you really overpaid for, and some guys you. Got some real serious well, money let's, value. So let's, let's, That's a good little discussion. Well, I think, let's, in this let's, let's talk about it right now. So um, this is one of those things where in this league, I always we only do one round of, of uh, rookie draft, so like players that come out of the, uh, that you can hold on a reserve roster. Yeah, you so, have like seven drafts in this league. No, 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 no. This is this is a different. League. This is the old league where they have the vote offs of the play. But this okay. is like it's only twelve players of rookies that get drafted that you can hold on to. So what that always tells me is I'm in all these leagues that were two and three rounds in a 14 and a 16 team league that there are plenty of other rookies that are there to be had. Mm-hmm. And if you're in these um, dynasty leagues where you can keep as many players as you want and it's based on the salary and the salary is going to go up from year to year, I always love to look for the players who are the rookies that are not getting drafted uh, in, in that draft but have potential. So Dak Prescott was one. I picked him up for a buck. And now I have Andrew Luck at $16 and Dak Prescott at, at a dollar. So going into next year, uh, uh, Luck will be like 21 or 22, and I can keep Dak at three. You know, they're going to vote somebody off it, but I could also say, oh, well, maybe I want to I, I shift here or there. But having these, these guys, like, and also when, you, when you're going through the season. So on that same team, I picked up Cameron Brait for a buck, <laughs> you know, and I picked him up after uh, like week two. So there's like there's, these are the type of guys where when I'm coming out of the draft, um, I mean, let me I got to pull up some of my team so I can tell you like so who, we were kind of high on Bray, but then I'm looking at our numbers, we didn't have did they trade uh, uh, Jenkins? Yes, was that the week before the season started, or was that after week one it started? They no. cut him pretty much cut him. Pretty middle of week one. Yeah. Like, um, that just sucks. We liked Brayton. Well, remember he had a great uh, preseason and looked awesome. He's getting a lot of targets. Um, but when looking at our overall consent, collective tiers, 
Um, you know, maybe we had him higher than a lot of other people, but he wasn't as high as I kind of thought we were feeling about him. Yeah, I mean, Braid ended up in ADP as like the 34th. Uh, tight end off the board. So and that's where we had him. We were, no, we had him at 28. 28, yeah. Uh, uh, and what did he, what he finish the season? Six. Jesus. Yeah. And I really like him. It really was a weak year for tight ends, my And I, I know, but don't I like that guy for next year. I will yeah. not have any camera break on my team next year. I just don't think he's going to go high. I think you're going to be able to get value with him. Uh, if I have Maybe a choice in the same 10th round between Hunter Henry and Cameron Braith, I'm going Hunter Henry. I agree with that. Uh, so I'm just... Well, I'll give you another I guy. the other tight ends will sort of... Eifert will be there. Ertz will be there. You know, Walker will still be ahead of him. Kelsey Olsen. He, maybe he's the back end tight end one. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm paying a tight end 10 price to get him and I can't get sort of Hunter Henry because somebody went early, I mean, I think that's a good pick. But I'm not going to be spending a top five tight end pick or a top, you know, eight tight end pick. I, I think it's more like tight end ten. I'm the one. Those barnages and then sorry, no, those barnages ADP this year. Oh, way, way too tight high. Six. Oh yeah, yeah. What a nightmare that would be. The key though with these dynasty leagues is this: it's not about only drafting the rookies in that regard too. It's about trying to find the guy you want to find the player the year before he blows up. So, for example, a guy who I grabbed when he was on Pittsburgh. And then got traded was Emmanuel Sanders, and I got him for like for nothing. You mean when he signed as a free agent? No, no. Yeah. When, he, when I got, I had him the year that the last signed year he was on, the last year that he was on Pittsburgh. I had drafted him at an auction and paid like three dollars for him or two, two or three bucks for him. And then it was in the offseason, well, where is he going to go? And it was like, oh, shit, it's going to be Kansas City. He signed with them, didn't he? And no, it was New England. It was New England. No, and he signed with the Kansas City. Right. And then it got flipped out, right? And then, it, then it was also, oh, he's going to go to New England. I'm like, oh, great. It's going to be with uh, Tom Brady. Then he goes, oh, no. He goes with uh, Peyton Manning, and it ended up being just as good. So, oh, yeah. It's but not bad. The, <laughs> right. the so, record but, touchdown so season. Is Tyrell Williams one of those type of finds? You know, these, these younger players, and he is. But at the same time, as we discussed earlier in this podcast, understand that there's going to be a regression from him with Keenan Allen returning and whatever else is, you know, Danny Woodhead and whoever else is potentially maybe coming back to that offense. So other guys that you could look at as, like, potential steals. Um, what do you think about uh, Meredith? See, I still wonder about Kevin White. That was a guy that I... No, Cameron Meredith. But I botched. I had Kevin White like 20. Or high 20s. is much higher than everyone else. But he, he, did he even play a game? No, he didn't play a game. Yeah. Well, here's what's great about Cameron Meredith. Is that you could probably still go into a regular auction if he's available. And you're not going to have to pay much for him next That's year. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and, and it's one of those... I think he's earned himself... It'll be interesting exactly to see, are the Bears going to go full rebuild and say, screw it, we don't want Alshon, we don't need any of this mess, let's just clear that cap space and be able to use that to build our interior lines on the, both the offensive and the defensive side of the ball, which I think would be a smarter move or spend that money so you can get a better secondary. Do that because you're not, your offense is still, you, you have Jordan, you should be Jordan Howard centric right now, and everything else should just run through that, and you should build, you should build your line. You have a great interior, you need to bookend tackles. So whether you want to use your money to spend that in free agency or whatnot, Cameron Meredith is, a, is an intriguing guy. 
Not as a number one though. He has to have that number one guy there. You know, yeah. look at look at when he was alone. He didn't do that well. It was the Bellamy's and whoever else were getting catches on his ass or drops. Yeah, well, <laughs> mostly drops. All right. Any uh, any other guys you want to pick out? And just as you go, I'll give you another one. I'll give you another one. How about Tyler Boyd? Okay, Tyler Boyd was a guy who, toward the end of last year, got more attention because of A.J. Green going down. But here's a, here's a player that's not going to be being paid any attention to. And I'm sorry, uh, everyone here, I believe that we have to be in 100% agreement. Do you, do you see Brandon LaFell as really being a long-term type answer? He's a place... Unrestricted free agent again, so we'll see. And if he does come back, it's just a placeholder until Tyler Boyd is officially ready to take that spot. But from what I saw toward the last end of the season, Tyler Boyd started showing that ability. And if you can put an A.J. Green on the other side of him, and with your Jeremy Hill and your and Giovanni Bernardo, I think Giovanni is a free agent as well. I don't think so yet. No, okay, you got one more year. So you have your solidity there. No, they re-signed him. Oh, they gave him the contract. That's right. So I like the fact that you have all that stuff around him. And again, I want that number two who's got that amazing number one who you know then he'll never see one-on-one coverage. It's not like, well, what is it, Golden Tate or Marvin Jones? It's no. It's A.J. Green, and we're going to pay attention to A.J. Green. Hmm. Now let's talk about some of the tight ends real quick. Uh you know, guys, I think we were, you know, fairly high on that. That didn't work out. Kobe Fleener. Oh, me. Oh. Yeah. I mean, crushed. Me. That's literally probably what Kobe Fleener says on the field when he drops passes. Yeah. Oh fuck me. Oh. <laughs> God. Well, he says, Oops, never I did it again." <laughs> I mean, he was a guy that I drafted uh, pretty high, and he was like the. I usually don't do this. Sometimes I'll, I'll keep him and I'll stick him on my bench. I I, dro- I drafted him kind of high. He was in one league and had he was dropped by week four. Usually I'll stick around and I'll do it with him. Fleener, I was like, fuck you. I hate you. I kept you're him, up. but he you're was on my team. You're not you're not around. I kept him, but he was on my bench. But this is what I gotta say. I like her hair. I wonder if the carpet matches her pubes. <laughs> Wait, I'm thinking about. Kobe Fleener's pubes now? This is yeah, hey, you know. I just, I just said, I just said I've never banged a guy. I just banged Kobe Fleener. You did. It's better than thinking about his football acumen, which really wasn't very good, especially when you got Drew Brees who's chucking that ball all over the place, and Fleener just, just a putz. Such a putz. I hate that guy. The Neanderthal. What do you got, Staggy? Did you guys hear about how Derek Carr um, saved a, 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 a his retweet? Of a local missing child, basically uh, the the police department said, "Hey, help us out, Code Red. Um, retweet this image of uh, of some a kid that got um, kidnapped." Derek Carr retweeted it. Someone that follows his Twitter account saw, saw the picture, found had seen the kid, and wow. saved him. So Derek Carr, superhero, even when he's not playing. Here's the tweet from. Uh, from the um, Lieutenant Chris Bolton, uh, OD, OPD, Oakland Police Department, Chris. So it appears the secret to sharing local missing child info is a retweet by your local NFL QB. Thank you, at Derek Carr QB, child safely located. This the wonders of Twitter. This one's for Carr. I don't understand what there is to think about. Because he... He licked a tip. That doesn't count. Of course it counts. He... He what? He refused a blowjob from his ex-girlfriend mid-blowjob. Do you know what that's like for a man? It's called blue balls, Rachel. 
This guy's like Gandhi, but better. He likes puppets. I love puppets. I love Fraggle Rock. I love Lamb Chomp. I love Elmo. Sesame Street Bird Nerdy. Snuffleupagus fucks my shit up. Snuffleupagus. Fucks my shit up. Nice. All right, good job, Derek Carr. You are the man. Um, we got anything there? I think we. I think that was a good show. I think this is nice for us to actually end the show uh, a little bit earlier. We're two hour and fifteen minutes into this one. I didn't tell you about the music. Yeah, yeah. Give it to us. It's the Motet. So this is a funk band out of Denver. So we're going to the Rock and Mountain High. Started in nineteen ninety eight. We opened with Power. Nice. And we're closing with cheap shit. Cheap shit? Cheap shit. All right. By who doesn't like cheap whole who, who doesn't like cheap shit? I will say this. I think it looks like me and my buddies are going to that uh, ride festival in Telluride uh, this just uh, July. So I'm pretty excited about that. In Colorado. I haven't been to Colorado in a few years. Last time I was out there was good times. Uh, definitely going to be going and stopping by the good old Edible Zones. What's up, Rock Candies? How you doing? Let's do this. Throw down, party down. Tony Ralston, if you're listening to this, maybe we'll have to meet up for a brewski and have a Val Verde together. Just, can- just don't go here. Why'd you take me here? This place uh, smells like strippers perfume. I'm going to get herpes just from sitting on this couch. Stripper perfume is vanilla. What's up? Uh, are you going to say at the weed bed and breakfast? Oh, I read about that. Yeah, your brother uh, posted that on Facebook. Uh, yeah. I think we're going to go to the festival one day and we're going to do a whitewater rafting trip for two days. Uh, then you better there. be staying at the weed bed and breakfast because there's nothing better than whitewater rafting. Why? Oh, I'll tell you right now. The first thing we shitless. do when we, get out, when we get off the airplane is we go to the uh, dispensary that's closest, and it's friggin' fat. If you guys haven't experienced, it's, it's well. I want to know a funny story. Is one of my friend's parents? They fly out to. You can't make the shit up. They fly out to Denver, one way ticket. They go to the dispensary. It's it, it's a forty five minute trip. They go to the dispensary, uh, take a cab to the dispensary, load up. On as much as you can get. You can't, like, you, there's there's limits of what they let you do. But they load up together. These, these people are, like, 55 years old. Um, maybe even older. Load, load up, and then they go right to the train station and take the train all the way back to Chicago. With all, because it, there's basically it's a piece of cake to jump on the train with all this uh, contraband or all this shit. How fucking hilarious. They, they basically are they, they're, they're in Denver for 45 minutes. <laughs> Or however long they fly there, they get, they hook it up, and then they come back. This is like a buddy of mine's parents. I'm like, God damn it! I wish my. And they eat half of it on the train ride home. Yeah, and they definitely (laughs) are eating some of those edibles and chocolates on the ride. Anyway, we love you guys. You guys got anything else to say? Sounds like they need some cheap shit. Cheap shit, absolutely. Uh, thanks for listening to us. We're really fired up for these uh, conference championship games. Hopefully, they're great games. At the end of the day, uh, I would love to see. I would love to see the Atlanta make the Super Bowl, and I don't really care which other team. I, I like the Steelers, and I like uh, the Patriots. Um, so I, I, I kind of would like to – I just want good games, you know? I hate the Packers, but I want that 300 bones, so I'm rooting for the Packers because I need, I need Adams and Cook. That makes that makes some sense. That's probably the only reason why I'm saying I'm interested in the Steelers making it. Because in the bot, deep down in the bottom of my heart, I want Brady to have a ring on each hand, on each finger, on his hand. Uh, Stag party, always a pleasure to rock it out with you, brother. Um, good times. Uh, 
we will be doing a podcast next week. We're going to actually have uh, one of our newest members. Uh, we got Waz. Uh, you can follow him at, what is it, at Waz NFL on Twitter. W-A-Z. W-A-Z. Uh, good man. He's going to be joining the Pyro. He'll be uh, filling in for me while I'm out uh, in New Jersey. You're going to be enjoying Doing stupid work. Stupid work. So Houdini won't be there, but we'll have uh, w- w- Waz or Waz will be joining us, which should be funny. He's got a sarcastic, funny demeanor, and uh, we'll be talking some awesome fantasy. I don't know. Again, we don't know what we're going to talk about quite yet, but it'll be a doozy. We'll cover a little bit, probably top level the Super Bowl. Uh, but then the following week, the week right before the Super Bowl, we'll do a full-on matchup on that and something else. So we love you guys for listening in and always being a part and joining us on this journey. This is show two. 59. Peace. We love you. Cheap shit. Motet.
What about you? It's with the, uh, it's with the bag. Right, yeah. I'm off back to England, mate. Oh, you and Sarah going to England? No, no, no. I'm just going alone. Yeah. Did you just have a fight or something? Yeah, it was really good. How you served five years under a, I don't know, you deserve a medal or a holiday or at least a cuddle from somebody. You were only here for a week. Well, I don't know, for me, like one week of it was like sort of, it was like going on holiday with, like, I don't know, I wouldn't say Hitler, but certainly Goebbels. It was like a little holiday with Hitler.